Hello and welcome to episode 506 of Conversation Street for the week of the 17th to the 21st of January 2022. I'm Michael. I'm Gemma. And we have got COVID again. I've got COVID again, everybody. In case you missed me um, trying for sympathy on social media this week, I do have COVID. Gemma doesn't. and I've, I've barely seen her all week, have I? See, last, it's very boring. It has been very boring. Last time I got COVID, we, we separated the house in two, but then you got it a couple of days later anyway, so we, we were able to mingle again. But the way it's been at the moment, I've we, we've been separate for like five, six days now, is it? Yeah. It's just a bit rubbish. Yeah. Just a bit rubbish, really, and I feel... Absolutely fine. This was another one of those cases where I started to feel a bit funny. I just had a bit of a sore throat um, last Friday um, and then was just getting negative, 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 negative on the COVID test. And then Monday got another positive one or got a positive one. But um, I did, it meant my isolation period had, was able to start last Saturday. Um, and I thought I'd be out of it this weekend. So this is why we're recording on Saturday morning, because yesterday I got a, um, a negative COVID test. And the, the way the rules are at the moment is if you get negatives two days in a row, then you can come out of um, isolation. So we thought, oh, we'll, we'll wait until Saturday and then we'll be able to sit next to each other and doing it. But no, I woke up this morning and it was a positive again. Very, very annoying. What can you do? Uh, we can do it we can do a podcast distance i mean i, d- I don't know how well this is going to sound today because I'm, I'm here with my mac and my microphone and you're there at, in the, sitting on the bed in the bedroom with um with your phone aren't you so i, d- I don't think that the, the, the sound quality is going to be the best for this week but hey ho what can you do I, I don't know nothing so um just just keep ourselves warm and keep busy we, we've got a cold house at the moment i'm sitting here with a big blanket wrap around me i just need um like a glass of orange juice and a jigsaw, and I'd pass with Peter Barlow circa 2021 <laughs> at the moment. Honestly, this is the coldest room in the house. But um, it's saying that makes a change, doesn't it? Doing it a little bit differently. And uh, it's not been too bad because I've, I've had some nice time off work, even though I have been working quite a lot. Had to chat with Amanda Barry this week. Mm? Yes, that was good, wasn't it? That was very that was good. good. That was very good. Yes, I, I, I'm so I, Yes, she's just so, so glam. So if you haven't seen this week's bonus podcast yet, then, um, then you can either download it or you can go over to our YouTube where we, uh, where we because we recorded a video of it. But that was cool because I've been in touch with Amanda since um, before Christmas and we were just trying to figure out times that we could do it together. So obviously that was a, a really, really big name um, with her having played Alma back in Corrie in the 80s and 90s. And um, yeah, I'm very, very honoured to be able to speak to her this week. So that's, a, that's another notch on the old interview list there. Thank you very much, Amanda. Um, I'd ask you what, what you've been up to this week or any news or anything, Gemma, but I've got a feeling that you haven't actually done anything this week. Oh, I've had so much, so many adventures. What's been going on in that side of the house? Well, as you know, because I was complaining about this earlier, um, I've, you've got the kitchen, haven't you? And yes. you can't cook and you also cannot cook for me because you've got COVID, so you'd infect everything. You wouldn't want me to, honestly. Well... Anyway, so I've got a little mini fridge and a like um, a camping stove in the side of the house so I have to cook dinner on that for everybody. <laughs> but um, earlier in the week, I, I had some um, truffle cream cheese, because I'm me, 
um, <laughs> so I was eating on bagels, and uh, it's made my my um, milk taste of mushrooms. <laughs> nice. So that was the drama of the day. So, you, so you're drinking mushroomy tea today, are you? It wasn't very nice. No, truffle was very powerful. Yeah. Oh well. That's all that's happened. Literally, that's all. And the cat's just confused about what's going on, and she's going back and forth between us. So we're probably like transferring COVID over her back or something. But well, you can't oh, well. do that. Apparently, that's one of the things you have to worry about is not... um not stroking a pet because they can bring the the virus on their fur. We're totally not managing to do that, but oh. and also apparently they can, they can catch it, so you could have given it to her. Oh Did well. Did you think of that? No. Did you think of that? She she Selfish. seems happy enough. She she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> she's been sleeping on my bed some nights and sleeping on your bed other nights. And um, oh, I just thought that this weekend we'd be back to normal again. But maybe tomorrow, maybe Monday. I don't know. I know it's really frustrating. Very oh, frustrating. Well. Oh well, we've been able to watch Corrie, and uh, we haven't really talked that much about it because we've not really been seeing each other. We've kind of we I've I've been one uh, one side of my border, and you've been one side of your other border, and um. We've had little conversations, but not so much. But uh, you have, I believe you have a quiz for me this week, yeah? I did As quiz. per t- tradition. So um, let's see yes. how we get on with this. Socially distanced. Coronation Street right. quiz. You can't still look at my um, I can't. screen now. No. And I have and to trust you that you're scoring me, me properly. You can't lecture me about whether I'm looking on the iPad. No. So I can do what I like. Also, there aren't any bits in the podcast today where you'll be able to, like, nudge me if I'm being too inappropriate or just talking too much and you want to say something. That's true. That's very true. Because <laughs> okay, I can't even right, see you at the moment. We, we, I, we, could been, we could have done this over Zoom or something, couldn't we? But we, I, I'm only just doing it over the phone. Go on. Go on. Let's have your this quiz. Time, 17th of the 21st of January, years ending in the 2 and 7. I got this from Coronation Street at fandom.com. Question 1. 17th of January 1962, when Ina gets kicked out of the vestry and is homeless, where does she end up staying? Um, uh, Minnie Caldwell's house? No. Oh, where was it? She ended up staying with Elsie and Dennis. Did because she? Dennis owed her a favour. Oh, I didn't know about that <laughs> Which one. led to hijinks and shenanigans, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. 18th of January 1967, the residents attend which funeral? 1967? Yep. Oh, that's a bit vague. Um, um, I know. Died, yeah, died. But he died, right. He died. Um, that, that will give you the clue. <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks so much. Um, <laughs> God, not many people died in the olden days, did they? That was, that was too late for Martha, too early for Val. Um, maybe it wasn't a main character. No, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. You have to just tell me. Vera Lomax. Oh, Vera Lomax. Yeah, of course. Of course. Popped her clogs at Christmas, okay. didn't she? Rubbish. 18th of January, 1982. Annie gets invited to a banquet to celebrate which anniversary of Newton and Ridley? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is too hard for me today. Hundredth. Hundredth? I don't know. Two hundredth. Two hundredth. <laughs> that means that this year is the 240th anniversary. I will definitely bring back Henry for that, I was I say. But also, mm. in 2032, it's going to be the 250th anniversary of Newton and Ridley, so... There we go, put that on your calendar, Corrie Writers. to have that in the back of their head. Yes, absolutely. Very important storyline. <laughs> Next, come on, January, let me get one right. 18th of January 2017, 
Kevin is arrested for setting fire to the garage, but who was it really? <laughs> oh gosh, I can't even remember. Oh, was it, Andy, it was Andy Carver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. Do you know, remember why? Um, well, Pat told him to do it. Yeah, he's being blackmailed. Yeah. Oh, at least I got 19th, one point today. 19th of January, 1987. Who does Rita turn down a proposal from? 1987. Surely Alan Bradley. Yes. Yeah. Well done. The 20th of January, 2012. Gail agrees to help Kylie and Becky expose Tracy's lies about what? Uh, say that again. I, I zoned out. Okay. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the connection, it was no. your brain. No, it was my brain right. just went. Gail agrees to help Kylie and Becky expose Tracy's lies about what? God, yeah, no, I don't know. Gail helps Kylie and Becky. Oh, Tra- Tracy's lies about her um her miscarriage. Yes. What was the lie though, do you remember? Well she said that um Becky had pushed her down the stairs or something, hadn't she? She yeah, her over. and do you remember how Gail helps them? Um, uh, I think oh. this was the turning point for Gail's life. That when this happened, Gail turned from normal human being into simpering lobotomized twit. I'd like I'd like to say snake and sneaking a look at her medical records, but I've got a feeling that that was I'm just thinking of Natasha there. I don't know. Go on. It was to do with um, then her distracting everybody so that they could hack into the computer. Oh, so close. Okay. Okay. Um, 20th of January, 2017. Gemma doesn't believe Venus flytraps exist. So Chesney brings Sinead's around to show her. Yes. What does she feed it for a joke? Done a kebab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was five years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, she'd be grateful for a little, even this tiniest morsel of kebab now. I know, she'd, she? she'd steal a slice of meat out of a Venus flytrap's mouth right now, wouldn't she? <laughs> oh, she'd do anything for them kids. <laughs> yeah, split it into four, give it to the quad. Sorry, <laughs> Joseph. Oh, 20th of January, 2017, same day. Who has an epic tussle over a laptop? An epic tussle over a laptop? Um, this is, no, I think... This isn't Andy and Kevin and Phelan. It's not that laptop, is it? Not that laptop thing. Uh, who's doing the quiz? Ah, um, okay. Phelan and Andy. Yes. Wow, I didn't realise it was January. No, oh. I know. Who gets married on the same day? Oh, God, I'm Bennett, there's so many. Um, Phelan and Eileen. Yes. Yes, I'm back, I'm back. Right, final question. 21st of January, 2002, which unlikely character faints at the sight of their own blood in a mobile blood bank? Oh, I don't know that one at all. Unlikely character? So not... Yes. It's like, why, really, that character really fainted? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Dr. Ramston. <laughs> I don't know who That's was it. That's the right answer. Was it really? Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is rather silly, isn't it? Oh, that was... How many did I get there? I, th- I think you got I... got eight right. You got four wrong. Yeah, that's all right. A bad start, but improved as we went on. Well, it? isn't that kind of like life? Yeah, hopefully. Um, you start off, you can't speak, you're pooing everywhere. Mm. And eventually, as long as you're careful, you don't end up like that. 
Well, I've, I've, I've had COVID twice in the past three months now, so I think I'm declining gradually, actually. I hope not. Right, go on. Who's, who's got a birthday coming up? 24th of January, Bruce Jones, who plays Les Battersby. Mm-hmm. 25th of January, Richard Davies, who played Idris Hopkins. And 27th of January, Betty Alberge, who was Flory Lindley. Oh. And is that's it, it. Is that it? Not many birthdays. I know, very... It? Very small amount of birthdays. It is, it is. Okay, well, I think that'll do for our little intro then. Are you ready to talk about this past week's Coronation Street? Yes, I am. Let's go and do Street Talk then. Okay, so Street Talk then. Let's see if we can do this. Just in case for anybody who's listening on YouTube at the moment and didn't see the beginning or didn't hear the beginning of the podcast, Gemma's in another room. I'm over here. We're isolating because we've got COVID. And Gemma sounds funny because you're speaking on the phone, don't you, Gemma? No, I sound normal. You sound funny. Look at that old crackly and funny. Okay, so this week we have got um, six stories that we're going to be talking about, starting off with the um, Winter Brown's financial troubles. I'm calling this one. You ready, Gemma? Brown's in the red. Ugh. <laughs> not, not red in the brown, because if you get that, then you need to um, maybe go to the doctor. Brown's in the red. They've got no money. Next up, we've got the Tim's tricky ticker storyline. I also thought we could call this Affair or the Heart, which sounds a bit like Affair of the Heart. Huh? Huh? No. Affair or the heart, okay, yeah. Because it's, is he having an affair? Has he got something wrong with his heart? Okay. Or is he not? This works even less well when I'm distanced from you. Skirting the issue. That's a good storyline title, isn't it? That's that's a, good, yeah. That, that is exactly what the uh, Mrs. Crawshaw is doing at school this week when they uh, try to take it to task for the, uh, for the uh, dealing with this upskirting issue. And that, next we have got Starsky and Crutch. Hey, hey. <laughs> I told you... <laughs> You loved that this week. <laughs> are you... No, that's fine. Are you? I, um, so we got that. That's Craig, Detective Craig, you looking. Stop being so insecure. Your insecurities get amplified the further away you are. <laughs> I know. Please just accept what I say. I know. Okay. We've got the da- oh, Dilemma, which is what's going on at the speed dial. It's a bit rubbish, and a bit the more the cougar in the line, so it kind of is a bit no, rubbish that's there. Only... Dilemma is only if she gets a job there. Not that Emma. <laughs> Not that, Emma. Right, do you want to talk about browns in the reds, Jammer? <laughs> no, you're, I do, actually. You're moving around all over the place. I can hear you. Sorry, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not allowed to You've got to laugh. stay. I'm laugh at everything and not move. You've got to stay completely still throughout the whole of this podcast. Can you do it? No, I can't. Okay, well, do your best. Oh, right, then. what's been going on with the browns and the winters this week, Jammer Cox? Go. Don't say, do use my full name because I'm on the run. <laughs> Didn't give right, me a middle name, it's red. fine. On Monday, Joseph, <clears throat> he's not really in the mood. A small talk with Chesney over breakfast. Um, and Chesney's worried. He tells Bernie that he thinks that Joseph might run away again. And um, the police are going to come round. Bernie offers to support him because they have to talk about why Joseph run away or something. So the policeman comes around and leaves her hat permanently in that house. She, as far as I know, she's still not picked up her helmet that she left. I don't know why she put it by the kitchen, but it was very prominently displayed. It was. It, and, hmm? Yeah, I was just saying it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And then she sort of walked out and left it. Now, I don't know how much you can get for a policeman's helmet on eBay, but I bet it's not nothing. No, exactly. So, there we go. They need to be a bit more creative, don't they? So anyway, the police officer comes around, and this is the late. We've seen her a few times, haven't we? I lady. think so, yeah. Um, and she wants to go over the story um, because Joseph said he was being bullied because he's poor, 
Um, and she's also confused about this the story of where he was because he's saying that he was in the wastelands and then Clint found him and um, then Chesney's like, oh yeah, Clint wouldn't lie because we know him. Uh, <laughs> he's good friends with um, Bernie and Gemma and this obviously rings some alarm bells. Then Joseph gets sent upstairs and the officers starting to put some, some things together because you know the, the Weatherfield plot very quick aren't they yeah, to, on the ball mystery yeah. always <laughs> they're, they're, they're brilliant um, <laughs> Chesney also is no slouch he immediately realises that she's suspicious and he gets a cob on that lasts the whole week <laughs> he had a cob on before this week come on let's be he's honest all, he's, with su- it. he's such an unpleasant character he like, was so so miserable wasn't he this week he was a massive ass this week Chesney he just oh Get rid, get rid, Gemma. I tell you what, he needs to. How much can you sell Chesney for? Huh? How much can you sell Chesney for? What's he worth? (laughs) What's his skill set? (laughs) He needs to take a leaf out of um, uh, the Cratchits from uh, Christmas Carol. In what sense? Can you imagine if, like, on Christmas Day, Scrooge turned up with a big turkey and all the presents, and, and Bob was like, (laughs) Bugger <laughs> off. We don't need good charity. What do you think this is? Christmas. Get out Just of here. Just would have totally been presents. like that. <laughs> Come and Right, kids. Eat your gruel. Because <laughs> we earn this ourselves. Exactly. Look, have your crusts. Stop putting airs on your chest. <laughs> okay, right. So, um, Chesney basically kicks the police lady out. Um, and then Dev talks to Gemma and Bernie about this reward fund. We know that there was more than £29,000 in, and that's what uh, Yasmin put in anonymously, but there was over 30 grand, and Dev had put in £3,000. I love, I love how he told her. He was like, saying, oh, yeah, yeah well, uh, Bernie just wanted to let you know uh, that, yeah, £3,000 is from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just totally angling for a shag, isn't he? <laughs> that's what he thinks Bernie's worth, £3,000. <laughs> she didn't even get to keep it. Even Leanne's cheaper than that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't I don't know why he really ended up being like the the keeper of the of the funds, but he's basically in charge of it, isn't he? He's the one or that's it, got the special charity bank. pot because he works at a corner shop. <laughs> um, Bernie brushes him off because she doesn't have time. Then we have another scene between Hope and Joseph because um, they both got bribed last week by Clint to keep their mouths shut, and Hope negotiated up to a hundred quid each. Yeah, she's now, so good. She, I love this. Now, Hope is in no way... No, she is related to Chesney in some way, isn't she? She's Ches- she's Chesney's niece, yeah? Uh, yes. Yes, she is. So I reckon there's a little bit of the old uh, Wheeler Dealer Chesney in there somewhere because he used to have his market stall, didn't he? Yeah. Selling dog things. I don't know why they didn't bring this back because when Chesney was young, he was actually like a really sweet little entrepreneur for I about know. a year. And then it all went to pot when he knocked... Um, Katie up. Yeah, now he just sits around moaning that he hasn't got any money. The old Chesney would be out saying, right, Romersley's up, what can I sell? I know, I know. But I think that she's got the this entrepreneurial spirit from him because she's bought £100 worth of sweets. <laughs> she's got them in a backpack and her plan is to send them, sell them for a profit at school. That, now, that's Alan what Alan Sugar would do. Yeah, exactly. And Joseph, he's very materialistic. He's a bit more like me. He wants to buy shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but unlike me, Joseph only has one pair of shoes currently and he just would like an additional pair that isn't broken. Bless his heart. 
Now, Birdie walks in and she hears him talking about a secret. And immediately, if you're if you're an adult and your kids are talking about having a secret, alarm bells going off. She sits him down. She starts to dig for details. She realizes that Hope is being very weird about this bag, so she asks about it. And Joseph says, "Oh, it's only sweets." Um, and he's like, what? "A bag full of sweets? Let me see." So Hope shows her, and, uh, but she lies that they're a gift from Tyrone which still sounds suspicious. So, Bernie takes Joseph to Roy's for a milkshake, and he keeps going on about these trainers, and Bernie says, there's absolutely no way you can have trainers, £100, that would feed us for so long. Um, Gemma and Chesney just don't have any money. You don't need £100 trainers, sorry. When I I were a lad, probably my most expensive pair of trainers, I don't know whether we've even got past £10. Honestly, it's like I know you don't need them, but he's like a little boy and he just likes fancy things. He, I felt really bad for him. I don't know. I I, I had ne- I never had any desire to have hundred pound trainers, and Joseph doesn't strike me as the sort of person that's um you know cares about that sort of thing. I suppose if it's just to stop him from getting bullied, maybe. But there's other ways, surely. Oh, you're so mean. <laughs> wants one thing that people will be jealous of he spent his whole life being teased and being made to feel like crap and i would imagine the kids are really cruel about him being poor because there's all these horrible connotations you know being dirty and being um lesser than and everyone looking down on you and living in a crummy house and all the babies everywhere kids i just think he thinks in his head if he walked into school on a monday with 100 pound trainers all the kids would think he was brilliant but we know they wouldn't they just they'd, they'd beat they'd him up and it. steal them wouldn't they probably yeah <laughs> so um i just i just i think joseph is, is kind of to me like a mini chesney without as much charisma as chesney used to oh have. yeah definitely he's he's got the sweetness but young chesney he's got a little absolutely had the expression. Charm. he's got beautiful cheekbones <laughs> but he's very good at looking like the thing is he looks a bit like an orphan but he couldn't have more family if he tried <laughs> <laughs> anyway um back at home it just gets worse Gemma steps on and breaks joseph's tablet um, and he gets mad at her again and storms off upstairs. Gemma's losing her mind. Bernie goes round to the corner shop and asks Dev if there's any food that he's going to throw away. Can she please have it? And uh, they got on really well. Um, he invites her for a drink and she suggests a night in instead and then they kiss each other. <laughs> um, so I assume this jo- this tablet was bought for Joseph uh, when, when they had more, when they were flush with cash. Yeah. When they were doing the... When they were doing the fresh go money. Yeah, and the other thing that annoys me, how people sometimes treat people who are struggling with money, is that they're not allowed to own anything nice, ever. They're not allowed to have a nice thing if they have an expensive phone or a watch or or a TV or something. It's, you know, oh, well, you, sh- you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be allowed that if you're asking for handouts, even though they're not, because hmm. he's very firm on that. But if you think about how much does a fancy TV cost, like a really big TV versus going on holiday... Like, you have to save all year to go on holiday, but you can have a TV every day of the year. Just think about it like that. People, I just think people get a bit weird mm. about um, <clears throat> the fact that the fact that Joseph's got a tablet, but he needs it for school. So on Wednesday, Chesney writes to Joseph's teacher to ask, can he use a school computer because his laptop's, um, his tablet's broken. And Joseph gets really embarrassed. And they get called crap tops <laughs> by someone. Um Surely not Joseph. I think Bernie is the one that says that they're rubbish, and Joseph's really embarrassed. 
And then Gemma comes down because Bernie's bought some bread and she's moaning, going, well, that's money now. We can't spend on something else because Craig's baking bread for everybody. We could just have that. You've just wasted 45p or whatever it costs. Yeah, that was a strange little tangent to Craig's little escapades, wasn't it, this week? He's a master baker this week, apparently. He um, bakes bread, yeah, looks no, out the make, window. Make it, making the same boring loaf of bread over and over again like a robot. Although it's more than I've done, because I've been stuck inside this room for the best part of five days now, six days, I don't know, and I've, what have I done? Made a bowl of cereal, covered a couple of cups of tea, so good on you, Craig. Yeah, well, you know, but how many podcasts have you made? I was thinking of milk, it's more like, more like a quid, isn't it, for a loaf of bread. And you can buy, you know, pasta and stuff with that, now yeah. you can't. Hmm. They haven't got any money. Bernie, you waste, you so wasteful. She wasn't to know. Huh? She wasn't to know that Craig had, you know, turned Bernie. baker. Ber- yeah. Bernie's the one that bought the bread. Yeah, she wanted to know about Craig, was she? Well, I think everybody needs to eat bread for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's very versatile. <laughs> Time to make bread pudding, that's what I say. Deb and Bernie get chatting later and she's sort of like being a bit desperate. <laughs> um, meanwhile, you've got Joseph is feeling uncomfortable about his money. Um he doesn't know whether he can spend it on trainers or not. He's starting to feel guilty. But also, I don't think he could get away with buying trainers. Everyone would know. Well, yeah. I don't know what his plan is <laughs> to kind of keep the fact that he's got £100 trainers from everybody. <laughs> um, a reporter from the Gazette comes over later, and she is asking about the quads, um, what, uh, what they're up to, um, and... Uh, Jasmine doesn't really want to do it but Bernie thinks they should because they could get money for it and then the reporter starts digging around the fact that Bernie and Clint are old friends and um, Clint's going around Dev's shop later to collect money and also Dev is also her friend and she says oh he's not really my friend he's like uh, don't know what to call him not boyfriend etc but partner so the reporter is very interested but she's she's being nice but she's clearly like putting together some bits yeah together, there's some there's something reason. going on although it doesn't necessarily go down that route this week does it i was expecting it, it to be that, next episode yeah. front page <laughs> scammers you know yeah bernie goes um bernie then asks straight out can we get paid for this please and the and the the reporter's like oh gosh no this is news it's not a feature you can't have money for this um if you want a feature, you have to you have to have like poverty stricken quads two years out from Fresco's uh, failure. Yeah, I'm sure she could work it into be a feature. Holding up a, a broken tablet and Joseph um, looking sad with rubbish trainers on. That's what they need, and that will definitely help with the bullying at school. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. D- uh, it's not. It's just news. So then they go for the photo for the news bit. When everybody's standing outside the house, Dev, Clint, Chesney, Joseph, etc., they're all having their photo taken. And then Dev, um, the photographer says, "Dev, do you want your partner in it?" And he's like, "No. Who's that? What do you mean? I don't have a partner. What her?" And this was really weird because he's been trying to get in her pants all week, and then all of a sudden he's, he's standoffish about it. He has um, a little bit, but we saw even some of last year where he kind of liked the idea of spending time with her, but I think he was a bit embarrassed because it's it's Bernie, and I don't think he necessarily has got used to the idea of people knowing about his uh, his uh, new partner yet. I think you mean bit of rough. The bit of rough is right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie gets embarrassed and slopes off. 
he catches up with her in the pub later and she's still upset she doesn't want to talk to him about it Chesney and Gemma read this article and they're pretty impressed by how it's um, come out. They seem happy. Joseph comes home and uh, the boy at school, Callum, who was making fun of him last week, um, is still making fun of him. <laughs> he's a little dick. I know. Can't catch a break, <laughs> poor Joseph. Because <laughs> he's using the old school computer now for homework. So then Joseph decides to put the money that he's earned from Clint into the <laughs> into the tin. I don't know what he was thinking, but not a lot, I don't imagine. Bernie catches him. She thinks he's stealing it. And then she realises that there wasn't even that much in there to start with. <laughs> so she realises he's putting it back and asks him where he got it from. Cut to Clint trying to get Dev to transfer him the money. And he would, he wants he wants um, 500 quid in cash up front out of Dev's till because he wants to go down the pub and celebrate. Mm. But Deb being, being horrible to him, because he's jealous about their, his relationship with Bernie, so he will only tra- transfer it. And I can't remember how much it was now. I can't remember. A lot. Yeah. So, um, Bernie confronts Clint in the ginnel, and he's, she's found out from Joseph that he was bribed, and he didn't actually really find him. Um, and he just uh, said he did to get the reward money. Now I'm kind of I'm on the fence. He kind of did find him, didn't he? Just not he where he said find, he did. Like he was on the way home. That's the problem. If he was just wandering around, it'd be different. But he was literally on his way home when he was intercepted. <laughs> but the other question I have here is: Were it not to have, were he not to have found him, and and Joseph had just gone home, how would they have dealt with the money? Yeah. That this- was- Tens of thousands of pounds. What what do we do with it now? Twenty nine thousand pounds was donated, and you would hope, seeing as everybody can clearly see that the children are struggling. Well, the children are suffering, and and the adults are, are struggling in that house. Wouldn't you think that the community would say, "Well, let's just give it to them"? I don't. I don't know whether you can do that. I don't. I don't know how these things work. No, I don't know. I think I really it was really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But you, you, Put it in a put it in a fund, or I can imagine that happening. You know, Dev saying, "Oh, put it in a fund for when they go to university," and everyone everyone laughs. <laughs> Seb Memorial, I don't know. Why don't everyone... they make another community garden? Just make that whole road just a series of community gardens memorialising somebody. Knock down, knock down the um the builders yard and put in a Tina one. Yeah, give it to give it to Kelly. Everybody loves Kelly at the moment, don't they? Give it to Kelly. Everyone loves her at the moment. She's been through a hard time. Oh, she's so sad. She should get some. So she's stupid as well. And maybe they can rent a flat together. Knowing Yasmin's look, they'll be like, oh yeah, Yas, the speed dial that burned down recently, didn't it? They're probably a bit short on cash at the moment. There you go, Yasmin. You have it. <laughs> like, no, folks, we get rid <laughs> no, of this money. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, Bernie confronts him, and he admits. Um, he admits everything's true and she threatens to tell the police and then he says, how about I spit it? And Bernie's like, ooh, I'm going to have a cliffhanger. I can't remember if this was a cliffhanger, but she kind of considers it and then says, no, because I'm not a thief. Yeah, we definitely don't know what her you know, decision is straight away, do we? Or what she ends up doing. So she comes home later and um, Chesney's looking in the paper to find another job because they're so hard up that he needs to go... He's going to cycle to Stockport and do a night watchman's job. And Gemma's like, this is really stupid. Um, 
I don't know how you're going to cope with this. Because the trouble about this is there are five children and there are three adults, but they can't all have two jobs because then they look after the kids. Can you imagine Chesney as a night watchman just sitting there slumped on a, on a, on a seat, you know, flat cap, miserable face. And what's he going to do if anyone does break into like, the warehouse or whatever then, it is? Just take it. Just my luck, typical. Help yourself. I don't care. Yeah, I know. Useless. <laughs> he's only little as well. <laughs> Although he's 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 dangerous with a brick, we know. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, just, maybe he'll just threaten to um, run into the brick wall and knock himself out. Or maybe just he just walks out there and the, the intruder goes, "Oh, bloody hell, it's Chesney!" Right, I'm off. I'm off. This is a bit. <laughs> oh, guy's gonna talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bernie is sitting on Maxine's bench. Later, they go to the bistro um, and. Bernie is suspicious because she has said that she's um, bid on eBay and won a tablet for Joseph um, because she's got some cash that she forgot she had. Hmm. And Dev is <laughs> suspicious. Dev says, I like you. I would honour, I'd be honoured um, if I was your partner. Um, and he says, you're so honest. You would never steal money from a from a oh reward. Don't you just hate it when they do that? It's written into the. It's, really, it's too much. You're so it? honest. You're so loyal. You're so dependable. It was like yeah, when Sally was talking to Tim before she knew about the fair and everything, saying, "Oh, I hope you don't. I don't know what I'd do if you were if we were to be separated from each other." It's they don't need to lay it on quite so thick sometimes, it's do they? Still on the nose. It's just silly. Mm. Um, and Lynn walks in. You know. Yeah. Just to kind of give us a visual. Yeah, hello, it's me, Clint. Yeah, old Bernie looking guilty. Hold it. And end of the episode. Right, I think everyone's probably going to get from that what we wanted, hopefully, but they are a bunch of thick idiots, so we're going to have to put something in the paper, probably. (laughs) Anyway, on Friday, Gemma's stressing out because the social services are coming. She can't find any trousers. (laughs) For the the quads. For the quads, that is. Well, oh, the, we, th- there was a quad. We saw one, didn't we? Um, I don't know which one it is. I don't know whether it matters. Bryn, maybe? Cute. Yeah, older than I thought. I wonder whether we'll ever actually see, like, all four of them together. There's got to be a point. Otherwise, it really is stupid. And I don't understand why they don't just use, like, mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're good, couldn't they? Yeah, or just, yeah, the... the um... What's it called? Yeah, the, the, the double screening technique. I can't remember what it's, what it's called now, technically, where you... You know, if you want to get your hero of something to meet meet themselves. Yeah, just the double screen, screen, double, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're quads, I guess maybe they could just make them identical and just use, and just call it that. Why not? CGI a bow on top of one of them, and that can be the girl. That can be Cleo. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the other day about how annoying it is that male and female um, signs, symbols, is like, a, like a, just a plain one. And then the, the girl has got the skirt. And this is how... The girl's got the eyelashes and the bow. This is how whenever they do like a, a movie with, with animals in it, all the animals that are boys just look like a normal animal. But the girl ones have, have to have, like you say, like lipstick or bow. <laughs> or something. What would you like, rather the male ones have? Just like a massive package or something? This is my idea. Yeah. The girl one is the plain one, and the man one has a top hat. <laughs> top hat. <laughs> Why not? Why not, indeed? Why is man the default? There are more women than men. <laughs> End of my run. <laughs> All right, Summer. All right, Amy, come on, calm down. We're not on that storyline yet. 
Mm. Isn't it? You're not really a fault. Although, you know, the four kid thing, 
Um, and also, <laughs> they they could have been the face of Fresco. They, they could um, have been Fresco millionaires at this point, yeah. But they really, really could have been. They could have been like the. She could have been like the Miss Gemma. Could have been like the Mrs. Hinch of child rearing. Hinch, <laughs> but she could have had the beautiful. Well, it's not beautiful. It's horrible. Crushed velvet interiors with mirrored furniture everywhere, just like everybody wants on Instagram. Yeah, if only they could turn back the clock. Too late. Um, Clint comes schmoozing into the Rovers later. He has got himself a camper van. Um, and Bernie's getting mad. Um, she calls him disgusting because she's spending the money that she's scammed off him, <laughs> scamming off, off of Dev, on food and clothes and keeping the children warm. Um, the little bands, she calls them, doesn't she? Yeah. And then Chesney tells Joseph that they're going to stay a family and he's going to spend more time with him now. I guess Joseph is also going to be a night watchman. <laughs> yeah. And then they play Thunderbirds together and that's the end of the episode. Poor kid. <laughs> how, how did you find this story this week? Um, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I mean, I said before, like I have a very kind of tangential background of you know, going, I think lots of people do, like, had very hard times when I was a kid at certain points. And I also remember my uncle has a kind of similar situation to this where, you know, he was a single dad, not this is a single parent family, but he had three kids and it was very hard um, to, to, to raise them and food was really, you know, everything had to be the cheapest possible, um, made from scratch if you could, because you couldn't afford to buy, you know, mm. I, I t- I felt I felt it very very lightly. I'm not going to say like to the extent that this is at all. This is a very extreme case, so I totally understand. But also, you know, when I was a kid, we had we had periods where we were pretty well off. So, um, I don't, don't as do the Winter Browns for being poor at school, but I don't think it was that kind of school. Yeah, I I, th- I think with this story, I'm finding it okay. I'm still enjoying that there's something new this year, like I said, the, for the past couple of weeks on the podcast. I, I think that this story kind of needs, would benefit from a, a scene with even just Gemma, not even Chesney and Gemma, just really opening her heart out about just how awful the situation is and how she's trying and trying and like completely comedy free because they're, they're trying to put a few little comedy bits in like, oh, I've lost my trousers sort of thing. And I can, I can just... I think that Dolly could do it, just a real proper, raw outpouring of how terrible this situation is. Because everything, yeah, everything just seems to be tinged with a little bit of, tiny bit of comedy and also just general Chesney misery, which is is not the same thing. Because I could imagine like, you know, Elsie Tanner sitting down at a kitchen table with a fag in her hand and her elbow on the table telling Les about how... And you know, how stony broke she is and everything and, and really feeling for her from this and, and and I'm still not quite getting that sympathy yet that a scene like that might bring about do you know what I mean does that make sense no, I, and I also want to say one thing about um about how it feels like I think that they're missing one of the big emotions which is guilt I think um I remember feeling guilty about having money spent on me and um, I imagine that, you know, Chesney and Gemma feel guilty that they can't give their kids stuff. I haven't men- heard anybody mention it. Um, it kind of You kind of got the impression that Joseph felt guilty when he gave the money to the tin. Yeah, yeah, I think so. No, yeah. I just think that that, that that is like one of the biggest emotions. Like, obviously, 
you, you're going without so you feel you know the deprivation of <clears throat> and also feeling lesser than everybody else but that that feeling of guilt is a very it, it eats at you mm. yeah and everybody is going to be feeling the same way yeah and, um also the awkwardness between dev and and bernie if i was dev i would i would be wrapped with guilt you know he's got his kids going to private school or they were they, they were yeah and um and he's you know golf lessons and everything they want um well, i guess that's why he brought uh, that's why he brought around the food package though isn't it i suppose i know but it's difficult isn't it because He's, he's not going to like fund their entire existence, but at the same time, I I wouldn't be able to really look Bernie in the eye if I knew that she was going home to a house where she get um, harangued for buying a loaf of bread. Mm. You know what I mean? I I it's just a really awkward. That would that would be really hard in a relationship to have that yeah. level difference in income, especially because they're not you know they're not dating they're not living with each other or anything. No. Um, and so it's like a casual thing and, you know, he's letting her, her buy, you know, say, I want to buy the food and when they go to the cafe and things, but I wouldn't let her buy anything. I know, I know. She was, yeah, Bernie's also proud, isn't she? And, and also feeling very guilty about the whole thing as well. Because I did, I did like the twist of Clint offering her the money because the way I thought it was just going to go, and it seems like it could go there this way a little bit, was just, you know, it would all come out, people would realise that, that Clint knows Bernie, they're poor, and people were going to smell a rat that way. But the the thing with him offering her the money, I was like, oh, that's that's gone slightly different way than I thought. I, I'm enjoying that little twist of it. Yeah. Um, um I, what? No, no. I was I was just going to talk about the um the 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 lap the the tablet thing because um some people were wondering about saying is it is it believable that a, a kid is required to have a tablet to do their homework. Um, and, and this is obviously something that's been quite important for the last couple of years while we've been on lockdown. And um, I think more and more schools, I imagine, are moving on to delivering homework online, even down to primary school. I mean, secondary school is another kettle of fish enti- entirely, but I, I would imagine even quite a lot of primary schools are doing that now. I don't know whether... Uh, it, I, I don't know whether Joseph would have to have one it's not like schools can demand that during normal school time that a child has an electronic device but um during lockdown if you didn't have one then the school was pretty much obliged to to get something for you so bessie street i imagine is going to have a whole load of computers going spare that can be used for children from lesser income families and and to be fair on Bessie Street they did they're just these 100 year old laptops apparently so um it, i i think it was it, it it made sense to me that he had his homework on his laptop um i suppose it's it, it's a, it's a shame that joseph was made to feel bad at school the next day because of it i imagine a bit, um sort of considering how mrs anderson was last week outside the imperial war museum she probably just announced to the whole class it's all right everybody joseph's not going to go out to break today because he needs to do his homework on the on the computers and yeah those ones at the back there crank them up and uh ben and callum just kind of sniggering away but yeah i thought that i thought that it was it felt pretty pretty natural that little development there although 
yeah, maybe uh, maybe having something a little bit less ancient would be good as well. Because the school would have received funding during the pandemic to get some new equipment, I would have thought. Yeah, but the thing is, isn't isn't it kind of the similar thing to free school meals? They still have those. Well, that they exist. Where it's like if you're on free school meals, it's sort of like you know, it marks you as different, doesn't it? I, I may be in some schools that don't, I don't know how how much children know about. The thing is, I know this happens, but meals. it never happened at our school. What that people got bullied that, for it, that or people got teased about having free school meals? That's because you were all povos at your school, isn't it, Gemma? <laughs> <laughs> you came from the rough uh, bit of Southampton. It's dead rough, isn't it? Right. The other thing I just want to say um, is about the fact that <laughs> Gemma and Chesney don't seem to really understand that there are there are there are things that can help them that are there, and that's what they're for. <laughs> I don't understand Chesney. No, he seems to think that literally, unless you earn it with your own two hands, it, it, it shouldn't. You shouldn't be allowed it. There um, are alternatives to tin tomatoes on toast, Chesney. I know, but I like tin tomatoes on toast. <laughs> but yeah, he he should really be looking in. I'm I'm assuming that they've that there was a conversation about food banks that never <laughs> that we haven't heard. Yeah. But obviously, quite a lot of people are using food banks, unfortunately. So. Um, because of this storyline, we donated some money to the Trussell Trust. So if you're in the UK, you might want to check them out. Because at the moment, um, until the 31st of January, every donation you make gets doubled, Ooh. which is brilliant news. So they, they basically help people who, um, with food bank, well, they help people, yeah, with food banks and emergency support and and food parcels and things. So that is exactly the sort of thing that, that Chesney and Gemma should really be. It just looks. It just looks it like Chesney would be to do, too but... proud to do it, though, doesn't it? If he's not going to accept Deb bringing around some some packets of pink wafers, he's not going to be wanting to accept something from the food bank. He's he just needs to swallow his pride. Stop being such an ass about it. It's really it. difficult, you know. Coronation Street could in a, be in a position here to sort of show that. You shouldn't be ashamed of using a food bank. But equally, it makes me embarrassed to think that, you know, the lesson that a a television show should be giving people is it's okay to use a food bank because millions of people need to use a food bank. That's horrible. It should never be the case. Yeah, yeah. It also goes to show this whole storyline about how um, nobody seems to have any friends on the street because I would have thought that maybe at a time like this, people should be rallying around them to help. I mean, you remember when Jack and Vera were stuck up in the Rovers that one Christmas and then the whole community came and passed and roast dinner through the ro- through the windows and everything. Like, I don't see many people queuing up down the street to give Chesney and Gemma something nice to uh, fill their bellies, do they? No, they didn't. But they did help them find Joseph, which in hindsight is yeah. actually incredibly cruel because they had, four, they had five kids <laughs> and they only had four. They just made it worse, haven't they? Are they just saying that? We've done our charitable act towards the Winter Brown Summit, thank you. (laughs) Back to our lives of decadence. Yeah, let's go get a meal deal. (laughs) (laughs) Sit outside their house and eat it. (laughs) Oh, oh, poor Chesney. I I totally get it. It's just very unpleasant, isn't it, to watch somebody um, throwing things back in other people's faces and... 
You know, it takes a village to raise a child, and he's got five of them. <laughs> He needs a whole city. Yeah, I yeah. I am. Um, I'm just kind of wondering what's going to happen next with this. I don't. I don't really need this storyline to keep going for that much longer. Or maybe it can go quiet for a little bit. Maybe I'm sure it'll still be in next week. But I think um, it seems to have been tied up nicely-ish with the offer of this helper. But it just feels like Clint's going to come and do something to ruin it because he's still the, the kind of the villain, the Fagin of this, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a feeling that he might, because he's being so boastful about this money, I think that he's going to, somebody's going to catch him speaking very loudly to Bernie about it or or something. Maybe even Gemma might find out about what her mum's done and then she's kind of um, torn between, you know, what what should I do? Because it is quite handy having this extra cash actually and, and you know, what's what's morally right. But yeah, but yeah I, I don't he's need it to last much longer. Because he's got this money and he spends it on what he wants, but she's spending it on the children. She's that's already started. Yeah, yeah. You know, then you've got you've got Chesney who's angry, but he's also just embarrassed, isn't he? He's just embarrassed about the situation that he's in. Mm. It's only going to get worse as the children get older and they need more food and more things, and they've got to go to school and have. God, can you imagine buying four sets of uniforms? I think if you've got that many children, you just kind of have to get used to accepting offers of help you, you really do and you you can't it's like people will like also people like to help yeah you're helping them to feel good about themselves is that so bad mm. it's like remember, do you remember well you've never you didn't watch friends but wasn't there like no. um, a whole storyline about there's no there's no real act of charity because what you only do it because it makes you feel good about yourself and the only true charitable act is to do something that you really don't want to do with somebody else mm. So maybe that's Chesney's line of thinking. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe he's just waiting for that lucky Weatherfield money tree to shake in his direction. Maybe uh, maybe Scylla's going to fall off a perch or something at some point and, and give him a load of money. <laughs> I don't know. I want Chesney to start like um, a, a psychic... Uh hotline for people like self-help the hotline she reads their tarot and stuff <laughs> anyway anyway we talk about this. should we talk about tim Gemma? can i I'd before love, we start love, how love much did you love it. how much did you love seeing tim almost dying of a heart attack on friday night's episode were you rubbing your hands with glee and going yeah finish him i was going don't help him <laughs> yeah I mean, we've seen that from the Hashim story that not helping someone when they uh, have a heart attack does lead to its own problems. But I don't know, might might have been worth it. It had its uh, it had its positive side as well, didn't it? Got him out, get him out, got him out of the way. But anyway, before that, talking. I mean, I said that the Chesney storyline felt like it was kind of obvious where it was going in places. But tell you what, this Tim storyline this week didn't it drag. It was basically the same story over and over again. You should it really was... tell Sally, Tim. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell her. Yeah, you do that. Next scene. You told Sally yet, Tim? No, no, but I'm, I'm going to tell I can't tell her at the moment. I don't want to worry. Yeah, but you're really, really sick, Tim. You should tell her. Yeah, I will. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Oh, Sally thinks that Tim's having an affair. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Are you having an affair, Tim? No, I'm not having no. an affair. Oh, my gosh. It was, it I also was... want to say, this storyline has gone on so long now that we've had two fake-out scenes where it looked like Tim was going to tell her. I the know. Scene in, the, in the hotel where there were, he yeah. got the drink. There and were we moments the this week. There were two, there were yeah. moments this week where I was like, okay, fine, he's going to tell her now. I've been complaining about it so long, but at least he's going to tell her now. Nope. And 
the um what's the like the icing on the cake of this whole thing is that he didn't even tell her in the end Aggie did <laughs> I know I know Tim and Which Chesney just need to go into a start a group don't they Martyrs of Weatherfield <laughs> yeah Chesney <laughs> oh woe oh, is God. us no oh, it's so <laughs> hard life's so hard because I keep throwing obstacles in my way <laughs> this is right. the thing I just want to say um this one, uh, this week was one of Corey's biggest weaknesses is characters making their own lives more difficult than it needs to be. And people have problems and face adversity without being the source of those problems quite frequently. And it is possible to write storylines where people, things happen to people and it's not their own fault. <laughs> and the, the, the Chesney and, and Gemma storyline with the childhood poverty and stuff, it does feel a bit like a rehash of the Sean storyline with the homelessness, where if he just opened his mouth and said, I need some help, he would get it. But in this country, in this world, there are people that ask for help and they don't get it. Can we not have a story like that? I know it's not filled yeah. with happy, fuzzy bunny stuff and it's not going to be finished with a click of the finger and it might bump some people out, but that's that's life and that's the, the ups and the downs. And Coronation Street's had some very dark storylines that are very very depressing and didn't have happy endings but what would they say so, at the end of the episode if if you've uh, if, if you have uh, had issues similar to to chesney don't bother phoning these people because they're not going to help at all i know that's the thing <laughs> it's it, you can't you can't give people no help no hope but just does feel a bit like the advice should be if you've ha- if experienced any problems with um, any of the things that Chesney was going through, just ask somebody for help, like Chesney should have done about three weeks ago. <laughs> this is a blanket one. If you need help with anything, don't do what the characters do. <laughs> do not use this as a template for your life. It's absolutely <laughs> numpties. Right? Can I can I tell you what yes, happens? Yeah, let's have a do. let's I have a reminder that. about what Tim's little escapades have been this week. Then, so. Um, Last uh, the, the week starts, if you remember last week, Tim had told Gary about Weatherfield County's training ground, which is a bit of a council secret. So she's still miffed at him about that, although nothing actually happens at all for that bit of the story, does it? But um, what does come back from last week is this broken photograph that sat, that Tim had knocked off of the dresser um, on Wednesday or Friday last week, I can't remember. Sally finds it in the drawer. So, hmm, this is the beginning of where she thinks, well, obviously... He must just hate me and he punched the photo of me because he's seeing some other hot woman somewhere. That's the only conclusion that I can draw from this. It's like, it's not far off of how stupid Tim is though, isn't it? I'm always, I'm always breaking things, aren't I? You'd have just strode up to me and said, Michael, did you break this? Did you, did you knock this off the side? Then try and stick it in and not telling me about it. Literally, she thinks of Tim, but she imagines he came home one day, was fresh off of a shag with his mistress, looked at a picture of Sally, and went, <laughs> and then and then Tim Brain not, uh, kicked in, and he went, better hide the evidence. I'll put it in a drawer. I know. <laughs> I mean, Tim always is a punch first, ask questions later kind of guy, isn't he? A bit like Gary, but um, I don't know whether that extends to photographs. Mm. Anyway, so... Um, we have lots of scenes this week as well with Tim and Peter, don't we? This is where most of the advice comes from. He tells um, Peter that he's got this pre-op appointment on Friday and after that's out of the way, he promises that's when he's going to tell Sally. So later on, Peter sees Sally in the shop and um, and she says, oh, this um, this guy, this driver of yours at Streetcars that's leaving last week, um, how are you getting on without him? And Peter kind of blusters through it because he doesn't realise that he's supposed to be covering for Tim about this at the moment. Uh, but <laughs> at Sa- some point, 
complain on like almost everybody knows apart from Sally, isn't it? It is. Well, that's what she complains about of the week, isn't it? Basically, but Sally, he manages to just about get through it. But Sally's starting to get a little bit suspicious at this point. Tim goes to see George next, tells him about his secret because he wants to organise his own funeral. Um, which, I don't know, I guess that's a thing that people do, isn't it? You, you know, go, go in and speak to the funeral director about what songs you want and everything. Good forward thinking. Um, and then he goes straight from there. Oh, no, and, and, and this is when Eileen um, notices, doesn't she? Because rather than just concluding the whole of their discussions inside the building... They decide to have the talk about what music choices he wants out on the street. And what do you know, Eileen walked right past. And um, so she learns the truth from there. Tim then goes straight to the Barlow's um, legal offices to go and get a will. And of course, Sally is there to see him going in. Of course she is. She could be anywhere at this point, but she has to be at the same place so that she can see him going to do something sneaky and suspicious with the lawyers. Hmm, says Sally. She goes and tracks down Adam in the Rovers later and unfortunately he can't tell her what they were talking about because of client confidentiality and all that. So Sally is by this point absolutely convinced that Tim's having an affair. He's gone to Adam to try and look at divorces and everything, smashing up photos. It's only a matter of time before he gives her the old heave-ho. So um, she she says... Um, yeah, she, she And she, she voices these concerns to Kevin later, doesn't she? She says, oh, if it was... No, this... I can't remember whether it was him that said this. I've written a quote down. Somebody saying, if it was anyone else, I'd be thinking he's having an affair. I can't remember whether it was Tim or Sally that said this. but um, So she tells him everything that's been going on that's made her suspicious. Kevin tries to make her see that Tim is not the sort to have an affair. But if she's really worried, she needs to ask Tim. So Tim's being encouraged to speak to Sally. Sally's being encouraged to speak to Tim at this point. They'd much rather go sneaking about for the whole week and just make themselves look even more suspicious. So time for another coffee for Tim and Peter. Tell you what, Roy's probably coining it in at the moment, isn't he? Maybe he should give some money to Chesney. Because <laughs> there's certainly not going to be any leftover cream horns at the end of the day, the amount of time these characters spend in the cafe every single day. Anyway. Imagine also that, that Roy um, takes any kind of food waste as a personal insult and has a... Uh, um, like you know, like a a list of charities that he drops it off at. No, I think that he probably, he's got some kind of um, machine out the back where he uses to compost it and use it to make energy efficient fuel or something like that. All recycled, you know. It's fueled off of old cream horns. Yeah, exactly. That's a a Roy sort of thing to do. (laughs) Anyway, nothing goes on between Tim and Peter there. Just basically more of Peter saying, why the hell haven't you told Sally yet? So Tim goes home. Sally says, what's going on then, Tim? Are you having an affair? No, says Tim. Affair? Me? Of course I'm not. She goes in for a hug with him because she... She believes him at first, doesn't she? She's like, thank goodness for that. I'm really sorry I suspected you, but you've just been acting so suspiciously recently. Goes in for a hug. (laughs) He flinches and says, I need to go and have a bath. I really stink. Haven't got time for any rumpy pumpy at the moment. Sorry, Sally. So I want to know. I've got a question too, right? Yeah. Tim's avoiding her like the plague. Did we miss a scene where the heart surgeon said, now, Tim... It's vitally important that you don't shag anybody until well, your operation. He said, "He said, um, just watch Did your he? heart rate, I suppose. <laughs> Are you 
telling me that Tim and Sally have never had boring sex once in their lives because I don't believe you. No, they're swinging off the chandeliers up there. It's the only way they know how, unfortunately. <laughs> All he needs to do is get her in bed and start asking her questions about what Maria's up to. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a turn-off, isn't it? So anyway, <laughs> she goes back to Kevin to report um, on what's going on and Abby's there as well. I enjoyed Abby being in the story this week. Still, there was a little clue about her possible pregnancy wasn't there because she has I can't remember whether it was this scene or whether it was on Wednesday that she has an orange juice at the pub and and, and that is soap signal for either recovering alcoholic or (laughs) pregnant yep so I don't know I think maybe that prediction we had of her could still come true but anyway Abby was great in this this week not that she had a whole lot to do but she says look there is no way that Tim's having it off with anybody else you're making it up Sally don't worry about it and Sally knows that Abby Abby, Sally reckons that Abby knows something at this point Abby gets completely fed up with it all and says look Sally you need to just get investigating properly rather than throwing accusations around so back at home Sally sets up trollop tracker on her app which also works on potentially cheating husbands as well not been seen since the uh, the days of Jenny and Liz a couple of years ago um so I this is something that um you know is a standard feature on most phones isn't it I know the iPhone you can have your you find your partner's phone or whatever as as default I know I, I don't know I, about I Android. Really funny there's there's so many so many different approaches and ideas in a relationship about what's an appropriate level of scrutiny I don't know what you would call it but we both have each other on our phones to see where the other person is I can't see you you can oh. see me but I can't <laughs> see you you block me so I don't know what you're getting up to actually I'm going to start <laughs> I'm going to start getting suspicious I'm telling you all this time I could have done what I wanted yeah Anyway, you don't do oh. anything. You just stay at home all day. I know exactly. You know where I am. But yeah, it's uh, it definitely different relationships have different ideas about what what is and isn't on. Um, I think it's most. I mean, it, it's supposed to be there to you know, maybe parents looking out for children and things. Isn't um, isn't Nina still tracking Asher at this point? Oh yeah, because she's an- she's anxious, isn't she? So it, it, that unfortunately is just going to feed into her anxiety. Yeah. So what's going to happen then is Asher and Tim are going to have an affair together and both <laughs> Sally and Nina are going to turn up at Chariot Square and go, hang on a minute, what are you? What's happening? <laughs> anyway, so she she now knows where Tim's every move is. Um, Wednesday, Peter and Tim again. Um, he's in the cafe again. Peter's talking loudly about his condition again. You should really tell Sal again. Tim's like, shut up. And Tim's and Pat, Peter says, look, you, you, um, you're causing yourself unnecessary stress with all this. That's the last thing you need. You really just need to tell her and get it out of your system. Sally is in the cafe later and her tracker bings. So she dashes off to tell Abby, probably somewhere, Sarah's like, Sarah's alarm goes off and is like, right, get into bed with you, Adam. Is she still... Is she, her and Adam on speaking terms at the moment? No, I thought she was mad and she was oh, she, holding... The oh, she, she is, isn't she? Yeah, but it's, the light from him. Yeah, it depends how much of a Pavlov's dog there is going on there, whether every time they hear a, a tracker bing. But anyway, she she dashes <laughs> off. Tell Abby. Is Pavlov's, Pavlov's dog is um, a character on Coronation Street who every single time anybody mentions sex just has to go and have an affair with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she goes and says, right, Abby... 
Tim's off somewhere. You need to come and track him down with me. And Abby's like, don't be so flipping ridiculous. You go yourself. I'm not going stalking with you. So she tracks him down to Chariot Square. Where else? Weatherfield's one and only hotel where he's sitting there with a glass in the lobby. And she kind of leaps out and goes, aha, at him to catch him. And he doesn't seem surprised. It turns out that, get this, Gemma, he was tracking her as well. It's a two-way app. As wow, if she would, as if she wouldn't know say. this. As if she wouldn't know. But yeah, for one thing, I don't know if that is how it works. Um, because I would have thought that you'd have, like us. I can see you. I you can see me, but I can't see you. Um, but yeah, I would have thought that she would have known about this. I I don't. Or or even like, you know, why didn't Tim immediately after he got out of his bath on Monday go? Oh, this has been put on my phone. Why, Sally? Oh, why have you done this? Like... Sally's, it's like Sally's tracking me. I wonder why. Why is she so insecure? Anyway, back to smashing photos. Is there anything I can do, maybe, to make Sally a bit less insecure at the moment? I, I can't possibly imagine what I could tell her that might give her a bit of peace of mind. But anyway, yeah, so he, he just lures her to this hotel and they have a, a drink together. I thought the whole thing with her jumping out was a bit ridiculous. I think that that was kind of done a bit too much for comedy value and I know that it is Sally and Tim who are the semi-comedy couple but I think this is serious enough that Sally should have just gone over to him and been a bit more serious about it but I don't know maybe that's just me anyway she starts grilling him about this fancy piece that he's got and he's like it's it's you 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 donor you're the only one for me found the map on my phone I'd never cheat on you Sal um I thought it was quite nice everybody loves Sally and Tim generally as a couple don't they I think you know, if you were to do a straw poll of Corey fans, who's the who's the the iconic couple of the moment? It would be those two. Even they're definitely very popular. Even if the luster has certainly gone off of them over the last few years, so that was quite nice. I did appreciate, and I think that Joe uh, Joe Dutton did a did a great job there of um, just seeming like he absolutely adores the pants off of Sally, which I totally believe that Tim does. Um, so they have, a, they have a lovely little chat. Sally opens up about how worried she felt about possibly losing him when she thought that he was divorcing her. And, th- and this is where it starts to be, okay, okay, yeah, Sally, you're saying that you might be losing me. I'm not going to tell you. You might actually lose me to my heart soon, but never mind. He starts lying about why he went to see Adam and sitting here in the lounge I was like oh Tim this could have been when you told her but no you're just going to keep up that lie for a little bit longer he says oh yeah I went to see Adam for some streetcars business Um, those flowers that I bought the other day oh what am I like I drove off with them on my roof so the secret stays for another day except now we've got Shona involved at the end of the episode because if you remember beginning or towards the beginning of last week she happens to be walking past when Tim and Aggie were in the um, community gardens together and she says to Abby oh what's going on with uh, Sally at the moment then is it is it um is she is she miffed about Tim and and Aggie together because she was looking cozy with they were looking cozy with each other the other day and Abby's like oh maybe they are having an affair oh my gosh Friday, this is when it all goes wrong for Tim. He starts... I thought it was an interesting way to start the episode. I didn't talk to you about this at the time, did I, with us being separate? But um, what, what did you think of this beginning of the episode where Tim is given a very kind of heartfelt monologue about his heart problem and then it pans out that he's not actually telling Sally, he's telling Aggie? Nice start to the episode. Kind of obvious that he wasn't talking to Sally. 
Oh, I just, I, 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 oh, I think I just hated it. <laughs> because it's Tim. I enjoy. I thought I, I thought it was a well written and well delivered piece of dialogue, but the, the try. Yeah. It was so painfully obvious that he wasn't telling Sally at the moment that that has kind of lost a little bit. One thing I was been complaining to you about recently is the dialogue and how it's a bit boring and everything feels very interchangeable. Um, and anyone uh, could be saying any line. Even yeah, saying. and very bland and quite straightforward, like contrasting to last week when we had oh who's that scene with the f- two friends I've forgotten I said it to you the other day there was there was, there was um sick- Sally and Jenny had a nice scene last week didn't they that's right yeah that was really lovely and there was also that scene where Gemma and Chesney were having the conversation about I didn't t- you know tell you or whatever and um and she had the bear and she the bear was talking yeah, to yeah. Chesney and she was the bear that was just a really nice creative funny interesting way and it captured Gemma's kind of personality and it was it was kind of different and interesting similar thing happened this week with bernie and um and dev like oh we'll throw our our cards at the machine and whoever beeps first gets to pay or something Mm. that kind of was quite it it just it needs a bit more stuff like that like like this one it kind of annoyed me but it was a different way of conveying the information and like you said it was well written so that's mm. what Coronation Street needs a bit more of at the moment. If you look back, I know it's as boring to keep going on about it. If you look back at really old old episodes, everybody was just a bit more lively and, you know, energetic and, and individual mm. than they are now. I wonder whether it's a reflection of the, the pace at which these episodes are being made and maybe maybe some of the cast are just a bit tired. <laughs> but I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah, that could be true. I mean, it's very difficult to... If they're, if they're the cranking pace. them out, you can't give mm. your, you know, your A star game every time. Maybe your no, A minus game is, is good yeah. enough for some people. It feels bad. I'm not saying that, I'm not you know, criticising, but it's it's a hard industry, isn't it? And everything just seems to be like, next, 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 next scene. No rehearsals, let's yeah. do it. It's, um, it. it's easy to get drained. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'll go it's on. also unfortunately easy to do that to your viewers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, anyway, so so Tim's telling Aggie what he's going to tell Sally later. I've I've loved Aggie in this storyline. This has been a this has been really good for her, I think. Um, and and she is quickly becoming my favourite Bailey. And I think I remember when Lorna was cast as Aggie Bailey and everyone's like, oh, it's Mrs. Tembe from Doctors. She's brilliant. And then when the show started, they, they didn't have a whole lot to for her to do. Um, and, and I think that they were kind of wasting her a little bit. But she's, she's starting to come into her own a bit now. And she I think that she's really got the potential to be a, a proper Corrie matriarch sort of woman if only they are to you know, give her a proper story, you know? Because she's been on the cusp yes. of it. She's been on the cusp of it with, oh, who's the who's Michael's um, real father? Is it Ed? Is it Ronnie? Um, she she's had a few little things like that, but I I really really do believe that Aggie could, given the right material, really really blossom as a character. So close. I think that um, Lorna's got a, like a really energetic presence when she's on the screen. And I feel like she does a lot with Aggie that gets lost because of how insignificant a character Aggie can be sometimes. Mm. Don't you think? Yeah. I just think she does a lot. I think she does a lot. 
um, with her with her expressions, and I really do feel like she's she's quite charismatic. I think she's got a, a big presence, but it just feels like it gets lost because, like you say, <laughs> what stories has she had? And they're, and they're not buffoonizing her at all. They're not playing her for laughs at all. She's certainly not camping up her performances. I would say in in the way that can sometimes happen. I think that she seems very very solid and believable, and um, I want I want to see more of her, but. Not, not not having an affair with Tim, please. I hope this doesn't lead to her having an affair with Tim because it could do, couldn't it? The way that Sally <laughs> left things at the end. I think it, like, yeah, that would be a very Cory way of, like, uh, continuing the story. But really think that Aggie just strikes me as a sort of person who would, you know, not wish to say this, but would be thinking, I don't even know what you see in Tim, Sally, so... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the story then. So um, Sally, during all of this, is in the underworld with, for some reason, Abby's there. I don't really know why. Carla's there as well. And Sally's telling them all about this romantic, mischievous, no, sorry, mischievous, as she said. And I hate it when people pronounce it mischievous. I think Sally does tend to say mischievous. I've I definitely think, heard people say I think lots of people say mischievous. That it's mischievous. <laughs> it just annoys me because it's a word that the year fives and sixes at school have got to learn to spell because it's on the statutory list for year five, six. And there's no extra I in there. It's mischievous. Anyway, she's telling them about this romantic mischievous gesture that Tim did yesterday. And Carla's like, uh, maybe he just pretended he said it all up for you when he saw you. But Sally's like, no, I'm completely convinced. Tim's not lying about anything. We're honest with each other. Hashtag no more secrets. And um, Car- Carla also doesn't go much on tracking your other half. Um, and, and Abby's there as well, looking very shifty as well, because she knows this whole thing that Shona said about Tim and Aggie. Um, back to Tim and Aggie. Um, they're back on the street again later. He's had his pre-op appointment or whatever it was that he was doing. He's a little bit nervous because he's been told about what a triple high pass procedure actually involves. Um, triple which, heart bypass. Triple heart bypass. Is that right? <laughs> Chiffle by heart pass. I don't know. No. Chiffle heart bypass. Got, he says because it's. Yeah, it involves stopping your heart. And I think that's probably. That's enough to kind of put the willies up anybody, isn't it? But he's like, I so I'll be dead. Be. And Abby, Aggie's like, no, 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 it's fine. But he's like, proper nervous about this. So he does what any proper upstanding British person would do invite him back home for a cup of tea and a bicky to calm his nerves. Now, of course, Sally notices that Tim is at number three on her app. She didn't notice that, you know, he was at hospital earlier. She did. She did. Did she? She thought he was doing a pickup. Oh, yeah, yeah, she did, didn't she? No, that's right. I missed that one. Yeah, all right. I'll I'll let you have that one. But yeah, it just so happens that when he's over with Aggie, number three, um, what's he doing over there then? Maybe it's a glitch because it says he's inside or not outside. And this is when Abby confesses that she thinks that Tim is having an affair with Aggie. Um, meanwhile, Tim is starting to have a bit of a heart attack. His, his heart's going <laughs> 10 to the dozen because of the idea of this surgery. He's not looking good. Aggie's saying, right, breathe slower, Tim. Come on, Tim, just heavy breathing. <laughs> basically Tim's there panting away with the window open which they never have in that house but just so that Sally can go outside hear this uh, these suspicious noises gasp through the blinds which again are never open usually and that she sees Aggie almost on top of Tim 
bursts in through the door. What's going on here then? Tim collapses on the sofa, having a heart attack. Tragic. Aggie phones the ambulance, mentions this bypass, and Sally's like, hang on a minute, what, he's, he's having a bypass? What's going on here then? Um, so it starts to fall into place now, uh, although she still doesn't understand why Aggie was the one there at the pre-op meeting today and not Sally herself. And Aggie says, well, Tim will just have to tell you the whole truth about that himself. Like, that's um, wishful thinking, Aggie, I think. Just tell him yourself, Aggie. He's not going to do it, is well, he? Well, you've, you've said everything that needs to be said. I think anybody can infer the rest. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So um, we, we don't get to see Tim getting stretched out or anything. Next we see him. He's in the hospital. Right. He, he's all right now, everybody. Tim fans. Sally's there next to him. Nurse says he's going to be okay. And um, Sally's pretty mad, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to forgive me no she's like you could have died you could have left me this would be the last time i ever saw you and you just were gonna not talk to me about it and he says i was just trying to protect you from weeks of worry but sally is absolutely fuming really upset because not only did you not tell me but you've been sharing your worries with a random neighbor as well which i think is a bit harsh on aggie faye turns up as well she's all upset about it um and then um Sally goes back home later to go and get some things for Tim. George and Eileen show up. This is when it transpires that they also knew about it, as did Adam. And Sally is totally chewing a wasp at this point because it feels like the whole street knew apart from her. Yes, it is a bit silly, isn't it, Sally? But just just go with it. Sally goes back to the hospital, bag of clothes and stuff, still absolutely livid, sends Faye away so that she can have a word with Tim on her own. And she says, how dare you? How dare you let people like Eileen and George and Adam and everybody know before me? And Tim is starting to look guilty, but he's like, I only did it because I love you. And she says, you have betrayed me. I'm so angry I could scream. I'm so scared I could collapse on the floor and sob. You did the wrong thing here, mister. And um, I just don't know how we can move on from this, Tim. If you don't trust me, then I don't trust you. And she leaves the episode and the week, dropping out of the room and having a jolly good cry. Stick that, Tim. So... I, 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 I th- as much as I thought that the vast majority of the story beats this week were fairly obvious and you could see them coming a mile off, I, I didn't know how Sally would react when she actually found out about Tim because they could have very easily done it with, um, oh, Tim, oh, I'm so sorry for being suspicious. I, I wish, uh, never mind, I, I'm, I'm here with you now. Everything's going to be okay. But instead that they've kept it with her being mad at him. And I'm glad they've done that because I think that she has every right to be fuming at him. Although, I mean, I said last week, you know, sometimes partners do conceal things like this from their spouses to to not worry them. But um, I, I think Tim just left it a little bit too late. And, and, and once everybody else knew, I think that that's when Tim should have said it's now is the time. So when when was his operation? When is his operation? I can't remember. I don't know whether they said or not. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it, it sounds like it's fairly urgent that he needs it doing. Um, and, and I mean, the, the question is, would he have told Sally later that day? Probably. I mean, everything that we've seen so far from him this week makes us think, no, he probably would have held out for a little bit longer. But equally, he did, he did have that practice 
talk with Aggie at the beginning of today's episode, so he was obviously gearing himself up to do it. I mean, it had been any Tim, it would have been just Tim's luck if he'd gone in there to say, Sally, sit down a minute, I've got something to tell you. And then Sally says, No, 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 wait. Let me tell you something first, Tim. Sophie's only gone and broken her other wrist now. I've got to jet off to Bali oh. to go and look after her. What did you want to say, Tim? Nothing. So, um, yeah, I, I think he would have probably told her. But, yeah, were you, were you, um, were you pleased with Sally that she, uh, that she acted that way? You're on Team Sal? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I tell you, I'm not a very good soap watcher, obviously, because I get frustrated <laughs> with things that derail the story and this is basically all it is isn't it um a way to make the story last a bit longer like it would have been simple if sally had just gone oh tim you big idiot give me a hug it'll be all right and then yeah they just, yeah he had an operation and that was it but um you know she's gone off in a half now and the shit they could have had it where she just kind of like jumps on top of him and starts tearing his gown off and the camera pans away and then you hear his his pulse going beep beep Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> You're right, it does derail it a bit, and it's not like they're going to split up for good, is it? I, I don't think Corey is in any hurry to, to come between the golden couple at the moment. But it's nice to see Tim taken to task a bit. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, see, there's a difference, I think, between finding something out, like you need a triple heart bypass, um, and finding out oh your operation is next week you know Mm. um if if it's just the idea that you're going to need one maybe you need a bit of time to come to terms with it yourself before you start involving other people in things um people have different people have different ways of coping with stuff you know yeah it's not always easy to tell people bad news i can't really do it i'm very bad at telling people bad news about things that are happening oh, today. I know I'd rather you are. not talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I'd rather not think about it. So, yeah, just to... But the thing is, I don't buy Tim's excuse for why he didn't tell her. I think he was lying to himself. I think he was thinking, I won't say anything, and then it was not true. Mm. I don't believe it was... Um, you know, and the, the other thing, like, oh, I don't want to worry you, is, 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 it can be more selfish than that. I didn't want to worry you is also saying in a way I didn't want to deal with you being upset or trying not to be upset and the emotions that come up with you having to deal with it at the same time as I'm having to deal with it yeah but I could understand him not wanting to have to deal with that because he has is facing a terrifying operation isn't he oh well that's what I'm just saying yeah I mean do you do you think that we're saying what I was just saying do you think we're supposed to be feeling sympathy for Tim at this point I don't I mean, I was watching yesterday going, yeah, you tell him, Sal. But at the, on the other hand, I was thinking, hang on a minute, uh, is, is Sally being kind of portrayed as being unreasonable here and Tim being the victim? I, I don't know. What do you reckon? I think it's easy to pick a side either way, don't you? I think I don't think there's a clear winner here of who's dealing with this in the most mature way. I'm sure there will definitely be some um, Team Tim people in the, in the viewing audience. It's a bit like the Fizz and Tyrone thing last year, isn't it? I can see arguments for why you would easily leap to either side. Yeah. And it's also dependent on your own personal experience, you know, as well. Yeah. I think you've had to face something horrible about your own medical stuff 
you might find it easier to understand why Tim is doing what he's doing. But equally, I just want to point out, in no way do I think this is a story where Coronation Street is trying to make us really think about, you know, what, what, how is Tim feeling? And this is really serious. I think they just wanted drama and conflict and that's how they picked to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that they're trying. This is the. This is the trouble about Coronation Street. Sometimes is they take take something and they knock all the edges off of it, and it turns into another reason for the same boring character interactions we see, you know, all the time. Is how different is this to any other secret that any other couple has ever had? Because mm. Tim's going to be okay. That it is that different? I yeah. think it could have been written more differently. I I, I wish that I had a, a even the tiniest shred of doubt about the fact that, you know, this was going to turn out all right because Tim's going to have his operation, he'll be fine. Sally will probably go off for a little bit because we know that Sally Denver is going to be taking a break from the show so she can do her dancing on ice. She's going to come back and be like, oh, Tim, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have snapped at you. Are you okay? Let me look after you. And then it'll, that'll kind of be the end, won't it? Yeah, it's... um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they're going to get rid of Tim. No, um, no way. You know, I don't. I still don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it, really. That was it. Apart from, I just want to say that flipping countdown clock um, last night's episode. That was mostly during the Tim and Sally scenes, wasn't it? The uh, the advert that was coming on the screen yeah. for whatever this new program well, is. Not, if you're not in the UK, you wouldn't have seen it. Obviously, no, I, but it was a like a countdown clock to a TV program called Trigger Point that's going to be on ITV, I think, on Sunday. Mm. Um, and it just like a big countdown clock again coming up, and I was like, don't even joke about it. That would be too good. Well, it was like it was like in Death Note, isn't it, where you got your uh, how much how much life you've got left floating above your head, and here's Tim rapidly counting down the seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to be here for a good while to come. Get used to it. Yeah, get um, used to it. So, I mean, with, with Sally's departure then, how, how do you think it's going to go? Because I, I don't know how soon she's going to be going off to do her dancing on ice. I assume very soon. Is is it just going to be a case of, I need to go and stay with Gina? Or is she going to, is, is this whole Sophie thing come up because she needs to go and stay with her? If you had well, to make a prediction... I reckon Tim's going to have his operation very, very soon, isn't he? Because he's in the hospital. I don't think it, I think they're going to keep him in until he has his op now because he's had his little incident. Or yeah, we said no thing. more secrets and stress the last time you were in, and look just what happened. So we're keeping you in we here now, Mister Metcalf. <laughs> so I think they're going to do the op, and I think Sally's going to um, see. They've got, to, they've got to think of a good reason why Sally going to abandon him because it's going to have to be soon isn't it i i feel Where like she... sally should hang around to see that he's okay and once she does she's like okay now i'm gonna go or or maybe aggie's the one that's there you know mopping his brow or whatever afterwards and she gets the seething jealousies again and then goes off to see sophie i don't know how long does it take to recover from this like a month two months i can't i think I they said they, i think they said no, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It it could well be no, that I... they just go off on a nice sunny hol- holiday somewhere for him to recover. Oh yeah, yeah. The insurance companies love uh, love uh, giving people cover to recuperate from. A, it doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> right, should we go on to the next story? This is uh, this is back to you again, skirting the issue, yes. Gemma. Yeah, let's do it for the girls. See what my my favourite thing about this week was we got to find out Mrs. Crawshaw's first name, didn't we? No, no, he didn't. Orla Crawshaw. <laughs> like 
he was just speaking in Spanish. Yeah, hola, Croatia. <laughs> what, what, what a really interesting name. Hola. I, I, I know somebody called Orla. I it's... know, but... So, she... She must be married, right? I guess she is. But she who to? Know... Exactly who to, Mr. Yeah. Croshaw or Dr. Gadas, as the internet theories are saying this week. Love it, absolutely. Love I can't remember where we saw that first, but I've seen it it's in a few. Oh yeah, it's, but I've seen it in a few places now. People thinking, "Hang on a minute, Doctor Gaddas has got a wife." What? You, uh, you Mrs. Crawshaw seems like the same same sort of age and sort of um, social standing. Let's put them She's together. Got great hair. They both got great hair. They do. What would what would their shipping name be? Crawdas. Um, oh, poor dad. That's, um, Gador. that's like, uh, crayfish. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I don't. I don't think so. But uh, that could be. You know, it could be something like with Emma, when everyone was theorising for a year that she was actually Stephen Fiona's daughter, and then Coronation Street were like, "Yeah, okay, let's make that happen." If we, if we champion, if we ship Crawdor, <laughs> whatever. Crawdas craw- for that's long like enough. Croydon version of Mordor. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like like Mordor, just a little bit chavier. Um, so so more I, dangerous. Maybe <laughs> I do, I think at the moment, I think the, the where Doctor Gaddis's wife was mentioned the other week. I think somebody probably would have brought it up. Oh yes, it's the deputy head from Weatherfield High. But you never know. Maybe that maybe that's an online spin-off waiting to happen. Oh yeah, I'd watch their adventures. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to see them sitting there in front of their massive roaring fire in their mantelpiece at their uh, at their mansion, and they're just talking about what all the commoners in, in Coronation Street are up to. Yeah, sipping a very sensibly slim glass of of really expensive red wine, and not get, caring whatsoever that they're lying on a, a, a pale white fluffy rug not worrying about spilling wine because they would never do that because they're so neat yeah Crawshaw talking about how thick they all are at school and Gaddas talking about all their horrible illnesses and thank goodness they're in Booper (laughs) (laughs) you're mean I don't think they would I don't think I think they they kind of remind me like they're remote like um like uh, Greek gods who don't concern themselves (laughs) although they didn't they're very intimately involved um like just just so far beyond the the cares of mankind and maybe like organizing their next trip to Peru or something. Yeah. And then, and then this is why um, Crawshaw comes up with such a, a quick plaster to go over the cover, to, to tape over the problem of the upskirting. And it's like, Oh, just time to wear shorts anyway. Where are we going to go next year, darling? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Come on. Let's what, what happened this week? On Monday, Teen Squad meet up at the bus stop and Amy is still crusading about the upskirting issue because she's found a lot of other girls. This has just this has happened to. And she wants to make a stand, but Summer wants us, wants her to leave it. So um, Amy decides that she's going to protest by graffitiing the wall to writing, stop protecting sex offenders. Although I think it was fairly obvious that she only sprayed the last few letters of that when you... <laughs> look at the scene it was totally different the rest of the the words from what she was spray painting um don't spoil it she gets mad huh don't spoil it um amy's <laughs> proud of herself um and tracy has to come into school because obviously she's in trouble she seems to side with amy but when she finds out that amy can't just apologize and brush it under the carpet um 
she gets a bit annoyed and Crawshaw suspends her. Amy sees um, Summer, Ardy and Asher in the street and she's still proud of herself, but Amy, uh, Tracy has to go because she's like, you're always causing problems for this family, etc., etc. Then they all go to Speed Doll. Um, Summer's feeling guilty that Amy's got suspended, but she decides to write an open letter on Instagram tagging the school. And Is this how you do it these it, days? Pardon? Is this the way it's done these days? When I was listening to this, I was like, modern life is so exhausting. I could not be dealing <laughs> with this. All the, Can you, like, no. Do you not tag me on Instagram with, with a speech about stuff? It's not school hours. <laughs> no, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. I don't get paid for this. Um, she is saying she wants the school to be a safe space and they're all very impressed with her. And this is when all the people at home um, of a certain age start going, oh, the snowflakes, safe space. We never had safe space at my school, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. You know, obviously there's a line that has to be drawn between a safe space and actually experiencing real life and challenges. But you shouldn't be upskirted. I think we can all agree on that. I think we can all agree that. on that one, yeah. On Wednesday, um, <laughs> Billy's so proud of how viral um, Summer's gone on on social media because it always happens. I think yeah. nobody posts anything. When um, anyone ever posts anything, it, yeah, Gemma goes viral. Who else has gone viral? Daisy's gone viral. It seems so easy. And here we are sometimes struggling to get more than a handful of likes on our car emojis on Saturday morning. <laughs> Really gone viral, have we? I don't. No, I, I don't know what our, our highest-rated tweet or Instagram post has ever been. But yeah, they do make it seem very easy in Coronation Street. But to be fair, we don't know what what they post normally. They probably post a load of crap most of the time, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> right. Um, right. So Tracy's getting a bit worried later. She's like, "You need to be a bit careful about this because of your university ex application." Yeah, this is to Amy, isn't coming- it? Summer gets a text saying that Mrs. Crawshaw is going round to the flat and she's taking, she's there taking details about the upskirting from Summer. She's going to take it to the governor's, taking it very seriously, with or without Mr. Griffin, who's the, who's the continually absent um, headmaster. headmaster. Now, we were imagining um, Gallus and Crawshaw in their beautiful mansion with their roaring fireplace and their dead polar bear and their glasses of wine. If you pan the camera down into the basement, you'll, you'll find Mr. Griffin in a cage. <laughs> I think you're right. He's been out. very strangely absent all this time. I think that um, Crawshaw's staging a coup or something like that. He's, and then every so often one of them goes down and like throws him a biscuit and says, you can come out when you prove you're competent enough to read the school. <laughs> <laughs> right, so anyway, she's like, we hear you, I've got a solution. Then it turns out, at the end of the episode, the solution is that girls have to wear shorts underneath their skirts, and that's how they're going to prevent upskirting. And obviously, everybody is really cross about this. They can't believe it, and they're going to carry on fighting. Um, yeah, putting now, it on the victims to do something about it. Now, this sort of sounded like the sort of nonsense that does get um, said to people who experience things like this. And I saw quite a lot of people saying, well, this is ridiculous, the school would never say that. So I Googled it, and in fact, uh, June last year, there were quite a few stories and a um, variety of different um, papers about schools telling students exactly this as their solution. So I imagine that Coronation Street was either inspired by this or double-checked. If you think it's ridiculous, yes, it is, but it also is the sort of thing that people tell women 
when they're experiencing issues like this. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did think it was ridiculous until you told me that because it seems like completely such a blind thing to do that you're not answering the issue, not answering the issue. Um, but yeah, so apparently it, it is done. But I, I think I was especially caught off guard because I I very much off believed off, off guard. I believed Crawshaw when she said, "Don't worry, I hear you." She seemed very like she actually meant it, didn't she? And then I for her to fob them off at the end of the episode, misdirection. Because I think that Crawshaw would have known that this was not the solution the girls wanted, and they would have been mad about it. But the way she said it. I think she'd have been more cagey, like, look, we'll, we'll sort this out, you know? Mm. Not like, don't worry, girl, I'm on your side and I'm going to sort this out. Like, with or without Mr. Griffin's help, as though Mr. Griffin, was it wasn't his idea, you know what I mean? I, I just think it's odd that they... I think at this point, they if, if the actor who plays Mr. Griffin, and they have had the same actor playing Mr. Griffin for a good 15, 20 years now, sporadically, if they can't recast, if they can't get him, recast him or say there's a new head teacher because I'm not buying the fact that the deputy head seems to have complete um, control over all policies, um, suspensions, everything yeah, that's going on here. Mr. Griffin's probably like, oh, it's girl stuff, go on. Well, it makes me wonder whether Mr. Griffin is complicit in all of this. Like, is he a massive upskirter? Is he going to? Probably started the Facebook group or whatever it was. Is yeah? Is it going to turn out that he is enabling this? Because apparently, it's a massive problem that's been going on for ages at Weddy High that nobody's mentioned up until about two weeks ago. That that every single boy who goes there, it seems, apart from Hardy, is sticking their phones up with girls' skirts every five minutes. And yeah, so maybe Mr. Mr. Griffin is um. It knows about it. I don't think they will do that, but it, it's seeming very, very odd that this this teacher and, and you'd be forgiven if, um, if quite a few Coronation Street fans assumed that Crawshaw was the head at this point, wouldn't you? I don't know why they keep bringing up Mr. Griffin. <laughs> They've only mentioned in twice. Well, now I can't even hear Mr. Griffin without thinking of Peter Griffin, our Family Guy, and that's that's another reason <laughs> yeah. why I'm thinking him as being a massive perv. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if they're gonna um, if they're gonna inconvenience an entire group of people for a very clumsy solution to this problem, my suggestion is not that the girls start wearing shorts, but they just take their phones off of the boys. I know, I know. All phones are banned, boy or girl, so it can you know, so it's equal. Also, like if you get if you have a picture on your phone of child pornography, which is basically what it is. You are suspended. I don't know whether that would work because, as we saw with Max the other day, the, these pictures are just seem to be endemic in the school. And, oh right, and, yeah. And ev- everyone's being situation. everyone's too being many people. Too many people are, are are doing it, so we can't punish anyone. No, no, no. I'm saying if you're in a group and you have these pictures well, wait, wait, sent to your WhatsApp, and then they the, just automatically. That's the point, isn't it? What? That's the point. Why are you in a group with people that are sending you pictures of other people's knickers? No, I'm just Why saying okay? if if you oh, know okay, if I'm so... if I'm in the year nine Facebook group and on a WhatsApp group or whatever, yeah, and, and these knickers shots are being sent, then they're automatically going to be sent downloaded to my phone, whether I you know want them or not. So I don't think it's I don't think they could say if it's on your phone it's then. Not let us... fair. It's not fair. 
the poor boys. It's just down to the people who are doing it. And I think absolutely, if Michael, we find out who's listen, doing the sending them. Not suspended, but they all get punished. And don't tell me that that's not a tactic that teachers use. I've, well, we've all been kept in, in school over break because other kids wouldn't shut up talking. Mm. This is far more serious than that. And if you want people to stop doing stuff like this, you need to stop making it easy and to turn a blind eye. Because if all the boys... If there were, like, three boys doing it and all the other boys socially pressured them to stop doing it, it would stop happening. Yeah, I... I don't buy Max's excuse that he's such oh, an innocent no. bystander. Oh, sorry, I'll delete it. Well, what about the other upscaling pictures that you had, Max? You're only going to delete that one of Summer because you know it's her. How many other pictures have you got on your phone? Why is there a group where you're sending... I just don't think... I think you're so awful to say that it's... Uh, accidental that you've got this picture. I can guarantee you there are no girls in that group. Is that by accident? No. I, I, I think what we're uncovering here is part of the problem with this story, which is they, they're not giving enough time to it. Um, and, and they're making out that it's a huge problem, but they it's just kind of come out of nowhere that there are very few characters involved. The only the only characters in this story who are saying anything are the goodies. There's no like horrible boys or anything that we we haven't seen anybody giggling over a photo. There's no kind of Corey substitute in this story, is there? I honestly um, think that this should have been a much bigger story. It could have been longer. It could have been more in depth. It really could have been quite powerful. Yeah, um, it's addressed the people like Max, who is in. I'm sorry, but he is involved, whether he thinks he is or not. He didn't give a crap about the fact that that picture of that of that girl could have been Summer. Oh yeah, I agree. Told. I totally agree what about Max. Who who the picture is? It's still a picture of somebody that didn't give you permission to take a picture of their underwear. Also, is it not child pornography? I think it is. Therefore, it's illegal. Yeah, and, it's a it's a massive um, also, problem. I agree. Person I just want to mention is Ardy, who is you know a very nice ally and everything. But what what was he doing? Is he not in any of these groups? He hasn't said a word. He's just standing around with a tambourine in his hand, going, "Yeah, brilliant." <laughs> tambourine on his hand and gaffer tape over about his mouth. Girls' pants and boobs, and I'd like to shag her. Is already just standing there, just pretending it's not happening, or is he going, "That's awful. You shouldn't talk like that," or what? Exactly, because and that—that's what I want to see, and that's where I think that this storyline has slipped up. They're not showing enough of that. We're just being this told it's is. going on, but we're not seeing it. This stuff lives in the darkness where people don't talk about it or confront other people when they know it's wrong and it's the, it's the same as racism you know where a group of people think it's okay to treat another group of people in a certain way and nobody says anything about it and it gets enabled because it you know it goes under the cracks and we, i think we've all been all been guilty of standing by and letting somebody say something that we didn't think was appropriate without challenging them because it's awkward but it's important and we need to I just think, I just, you know, if, if Max and Ardy had had said, oh, yeah, it was so-and-so who sent it to me, he's an asshole, and I told him not to, I'd have a different opinion of them. Yeah, as it is at the I moment, just it just seems like they're tiring all the boys in the much. school with the same feather and uh, the same whatever. I don't want to paint every man in with the same brush because I don't believe for one minute that every single boy in the school is in that group. No way. I don't think Ardy's in the group, um, for example, and, I, you know, it's not everybody's fault it's not all the boys fault and it's not all let's not blame all boys etc but at the same time unfortunately it's only boys isn't it there's no no girls are taking pictures up people's skirts oh yeah i guess it's you not no so what can you do 
do there's it. just obviously a culture there um, of of sexism, and unfortunately, misogyny is is very nearly invisible in lots of society because it's so natural and ingrained that we don't even realise. You know, I don't even know if you know this, but there's a thing going on in um, in government at the moment where they're trying to make misogyny a hate crime. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because Right, but the, one of the major reasons that they don't want to do it is because there are so many instances of it, they wouldn't be able to prosecute everything as a hate crime because it's all misogyny. Mm. Do you see what I mean? It's yeah, so yeah. frustrating. Do you, so do you think... Line, what? What? I was just going to say, do you think that there could be a character like Kelly? W- would she be the sort of person that would also <laughs> find it kind of funny to take photos up up Scummer's skirt because she's also a mean girl and then share that with the group? As long as they don't go up her skirt, she doesn't care. Yeah, okay, all right. I, I get I get you're saying this because I said that no girls would do it. And, you know, perhaps that's not true, but I think you get what I was getting at. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I don't buy all this nonsense that people start spouting. When, if you say anything like that, they start saying, oh, what about lesbians? Blah, blah, blah. Lesbians don't act towards other women the same way that men act towards women. Mm. Lots of women just, lots of men just really hate women. And they, it's so obvious by the way they act. Nobody who has any respect for women would t- would take a picture of somebody's skirt or send it or get it on their phone and only think to delete it when somebody pointed out that that's horrible and disgusting and also your friend's pants. Mm. Shall we? Just yeah. really, really annoys me. Anyway, um, Friday. So, <laughs> what? No, I was just saying we didn't we didn't finish what was going on on Friday, did we? Well, let me do it then. Go on, on then. Friday. Um, Crawshaw comes in to see Daniel and uh, they talk about the abskirting problem and, and he's like, they think we really handled it very well. And she says, look, we had to do something immediately before we implemented further, further, you know, further solutions. Further actions, yeah. Um, and look, we, me and me and Mr. Griffin stood by you over the summer stuff at, at Christmas. So why don't you support us now, please? Thank you very much. Then she goes outside and she finds the girls and I think Ardy's there. I can't remember. Ardy was there, and there were there were some other boys as well. It wasn't just the girls and Ardy. There was a there was a there was a mix. More female heavy, yes. But, it's very um, easy to join in a protest and put a sticker on your mouth and get attention and have fun. It's much more difficult to stand up to your friends and tell them that it's not okay to do that or speak that way about people. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> they've got gaffer tape over their mouths and placards and stuff. And uh, Amy does a mini love, actually. Yeah, she's, she's doing, she's doing a Curtis, isn't she? Yeah, so, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're saying we're protesting. We you, Pants aren't the solution, etc., etc., or shorts or whatever. <laughs> um, and Crawshaw's like, we're trying everything we can. Just stop being so irritating. And I kind of sympathise with her a little bit. Like, oh, God, children. Oh, will you stop molesting each other? I'm making it my problem. (laughs) So Daniel goes off to phone the Gazette, because he's a sneak. And the Gazette lady turns up. She's like, oh, what a lovely protest. We can take some pictures. And and she, Crawshaw, thinks on her feet. Um, I think she has a Does she have a conversation with with Daniel about this before she she kind of gives her the idea? But she basically says... I'll publicly pledge that all students have to take part in a compulsory consent workshop and um, everyone has to, we, you have to hold me to account to make sure this gets implemented. Amy's suspension is revoked and no more sexism or sexual harassment in school. And everyone goes, yay, it's been solved. And that's it. And then, and then Daniel comes in and they're having a post-protest uh, meetup like celebration. And speed down. Daniel comes in 
and he's like, what's up, dudes, or something. What's up, fellow young people? <laughs> I'm a cool teacher. I come to speed yeah. down after school as well, you know. I'm on your side. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, okay. that, was the, that was the funny scene that, for some reason, Summer wasn't in, and they had some excuse, didn't they? But I think just Harriet Bibby couldn't make it for that scene or something. But yeah, it does just feel like, oh, is that it then, doesn't it? Have you solved this now? I have to say, as as brief as this story was, and that's not a pun on pants and shorts, <laughs> um, I, I'd actually think, as far as, you know, one one sentence solutions to problems go, this wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Because having these workshops and stuff, I don't know what the success rate is or who's going to be running it, et cetera, et cetera. But it actually is a sensible suggestion. Um, and it might actually help some people. Oh, I think so. But I think to if you think that that's going to stop it happening completely, you'd be very naive. But obviously, yeah, no, Crawshaw course, only said it so that she didn't look bad in front of her yeah, or on the front page of the Gazette. It's to create a, a culture in which it's so frowned upon and uh, taboo that the, the the boys aren't going to be sort of swapping them like blooming Pokemon cards mm. and sending them to each other. You know, you, you want them to understand what it is that they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I would hope also that they're going to be um, split into the sexed groups to have um, different lessons depending on whether they're boys or girls because the girls are going to need to be told you need, you know, you need to respect yourself and demand this from the boys and the boys need to be told stop being scumbags and if you get sent one report it and don't send them and don't keep them on your phone you know what i mean like there needs to be a different kind of conversation going on with these two different groups yeah well i think apparently that kind of thinking's old-fashioned now (laughs) well i think should have happened at the uh at the end of that protest after they all kind of took off their black tape and everything and threw their placards in the air. They should have had a little side scene with um, uh, Crawshaw going over to the reporter and saying, so how much do I get paid for this? And she's like, no, (laughs) this is news. It's not a feature. Why don't you people understand this? (laughs) Oh, come on, school funds. And then she walks walks home, but she she slips Daniel 10 quid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I... I, I really hope that this isn't the end to this story because the teens are great in Coronation Street. I think this has been another really, really strong week for Amy. I absolutely love her. I loved last week when she... Was it, no, was it this? Yeah, it was this week that she was suspended, wasn't she? And she was just... The, the look on her face is like, <laughs> I don't care. So what? I'm standing up for what I believe in. I liked how Tracy was on her side. Um, I think... I mean, Ardy is, is pretty good anyway. Um, Summer is a bit of a useless in this story, to be honest, and it's centred around her, but... I just feel like there's so much more that they could do here, but I don't know whether they're just constrained by the fact that there. this is a school that has a deputy, one teacher, about 15 children, and one classroom, and they literally can't do anything more because that's all they've got to work with. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really like this. I thought it was good. It was um, an interesting topic. They haven't covered this before, as far as I know. No. I did about other soaps. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, um, it wasn't longer, but again, not everything needs to be months long storylines that get depressing and, you know. Yeah, but this, this, this lot are capable of it. That's the thing. And, and although they haven't done this particular issue before, I, I guess there are shades of um, the Asher sex tape online, you know, the, the undressing tape online. It's, it's similar sort of thing to that, isn't it? 
I just but think it still feels fresh, and that's what's important. Absolute hats off to Ian McLeod and, and the team at Quarry for taking this group of people and turning them into one of the show's biggest assets. Because the other really brilliant thing about this that only Coronation Street can actually do is uh, and soaps is that these children, we've watched them grow up. We saw them get born. Mm. And they're all in a group together and their interactions with each other and their parents as well. There's so much potential here and they're all really fantastic actors and they can all take on whatever that was thrown at them. I just I just think what a gift that they were given at Coronation Street to have this like cohort of children growing up together on the street. But also they've ta- they capitalised on it so well yeah. and turned it into such a brilliant asset. I, I really think that um, all credit to them and, and everybody involved in that to, to have used this in such a brilliant way. And that's just why I think it was a little <laughs> bit of a shame this week whenever it was a new, oh, here's another scene in the Tim story where they're saying the same thing as they've said before. Oh, here's another scene in the, the Gemma and Chesney story of Chesney being a sourpuss about things. And yet in that same episode, you get, what, two or three scenes maybe of the Amy story. It just didn't feel like they got quite the right proportion yeah. of, of the episodes this week for me. Do you want to do the next story? Um, yes, we'll move on then to the Starsky and Crutch story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also, well, on, on the Digital Spy Forum last night, they uh, they called it Crutch Ado About Nothing, which I thought was quite good as well. Um, <laughs> what what was going on with this story this week? Honestly, it's, Craig has just been made to look more and more ridiculous as the year goes on, isn't it? I feel so bad for Colson that he's been given this I material. Them, I would give them credit for this if I thought this was a nod to the OCD storyline. But they don't get a pass on that because it isn't, is it? It's obviously not his OCD manifesting itself. And yeah. they also don't get points for this because they haven't mentioned it before in the past, you know, however many years it's been since he mysteriously managed to overcome his yeah. his problem. And we had, we had people write into us at the time that the storyline was going on to say this is actually serious and it's life it takes over your life it's, yeah it's very it's life limiting there's well yeah yeah no, i know what you mean what you can do and it's it's oppressive and it's unpleasant and it's overwhelming and you can it's difficult to manage yeah whereas what have we seen from craig nothing and now he's a bit obsessed nothing, with the crutch which yeah i don't think he's had anything it. to do with it i think they seem so. to have forgotten so this week then it started off with a bit of a rear window didn't it um, yeah, which is minus Grace Kelly, which is arguably one of the best bits. Well, I, I I remember seeing this film, but this is about twenty years ago that we watched it together. What's the name of the guy that's um the guy that was in the wheelchair? Oh, Why are you putting me on this? Sorry, I just, you, know, you did film as part of um, your degree. Yeah, I did this. It was oh, what's his. He's got name? a funny voice, hasn't he? Um, James Stewart. That's it. That's it. So Craig was cast in the role of James <laughs> Stewart here. He's got a bad foot. Yeah. And um, he's got nothing else to do apart from sit on sit at his window with a pair of binoculars like a massive perv and spy on what's going on the street below. <laughs> now, Rear Window is a much parodied film. I mean, like, there's, but there was a great episode of The Simpsons where Bart's spying out of the window once and he sees Flanders seemingly burying his wife out in the back garden. And um, But they didn't manage to make it quite so dramatic here. It was Craig sees somebody attacking Mary with a sword in the street. Oh, that was silly, wasn't it? It was so silly. He's like, quick, quick, call the police. There's somebody threatening Mary with a sword. 
And, and I think that might have even been the break cliffhanger. And I was just like face palming throughout this. I'm not worried about Mary. <laughs> no. It turns out that it's just dies a prop sword. And they're rehearsing Pirates of Penzance out on the cobbles. Of course they are. For heaven's sake. I didn't sake. get that. I, I, this felt to me like it was demonstrating that, Coles, um, that Craig has a an itch to solve a mystery or to be involved somehow in, in being helpful and useful, but it's being misdirected to things. But they really didn't need That's it. very kind of you to say that. About the bloody crutch and they already had him baking bread. It just felt like an extra... Yeah. Uh, no, and it didn't, it didn't like, lead to anything. Exactly. Like, really I thought anything. that on Monday he would see something that wasn't actually a crime. Fine. And then at some point later in the week, he sees something where he now know, like he sees I don't know, Tim going into number three or something, or, or, or you know, anything. He could have seen uh, Clint pass in a wad of money to Bernie, for example, or anything. But they'd kind of dropped that little story thread after Monday, didn't they? Because it was seemingly just something that the, the writer of that particular episode thought would be quite fun to do, but then didn't tell any of the other writers to pick it up on the next day. Yeah, unfortunately, the trouble with it was is that it didn't feel enough like a throwaway kind of funny story that was inconsequential. It felt like we were he was either going to be taught a lesson or it would affect his reaction to something in the future. You know, like he sees a crime, but he doesn't report it because he he thinks it's just a silly thing or, you know, or, or the, the sword turns out to be something else or... Well, maybe he's going to be, um, you know, when he's back on his feet again, he's going to be on the beat and late night in Weatherfield. Maybe he sees a, a stabbing taking place and he doesn't do anything about it. And then, and back back at the nick, the inspector's like, "Why don't you? Why don't you uh, go after that man, Constable Tinker?" Oh, I just thought they were rehearsing Pirates of Penzance. Sorry, it happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it did. That's what it felt. Like. It just felt like you know the start of a joke that never had a punchline. No, so very stupid. But anyway, it was it was a, a little bit of a distraction from the real crux of the matter, or the crutch of the matter, as it were, <laughs> um, which is this bloody crutch that they've managed to get from old drop dead Ted. And um, he's back on the case on Wednesday saying, so Emma, remind me, where did you get this crutch from? And then there's just a collective sigh of Corrie watchers around the nation at this point. And um, he says, oh, I've been using my elite detective skills and I see that the grip and the foot have been modified. So it was clearly used by someone long term. Why would somebody donate this crutch to a charity shop unless they were dead? Hmm. And Emma is just like saying, shut up. I mean, Craig prides himself on his detective work, but Emma is in no way able to hide her guilt or panic around this, is she? Craig's not noticed at all that she bricks it every time he brings this crutch up. He says what? Oh, go on. Well, I want to say one thing about this. I'm so uninterested in this storyline that I didn't even remember what the initials are supposed to be. I can't remember what they ever said they were. It was THC. Because Roy solves that little one on Friday. Okay, listen, what was what were Ted's initials? I don't know. Because I never really bothered to think to myself, does that match? Does that even match Ted's name? And neither did neither did um, Emma or or Faye. Um, Faye think about is that does that even, like if it didn't if it didn't match, they surely would have had a conversation with each other going, don't worry about it. It's not even the same initials. And if it did match. What a weird coincidence that his 
same as a hospital. I know. Emma should have said, hang on a minute, I signed a parcel for him and it said his name was Ted Smith. So I think we're in the clear. <laughs> No, but if his if his middle name was Horace, it would have been Ted Horace Smith, like Trafford no. Health Service. No, but it, no, no. Sorry, I, I was it THS or TH? I think it was THC, Trafford Health Britain, Centre. Trafford Health Service. Oh, oh, okay, fine. All right, I thought it was Centre. Right. So what I should have said then is Emma says <laughs> I signed a I signed a package for him, and it says his name was Ted Jones. We're in the clear. There you yeah, go. That's exactly. how it would have worked. It just goes to show you, like, how little anyone's paying attention, even the writers, to what the storyline is, because <laughs> Craig's the only one following this thread. Yeah. I, I never even stopped to think about the bloody initials and what and what they were and whether it fit with him. I don't, I don't know. I mean... Because I don't care. Uh, maybe they have said what his initials are in the past. I don't know. Maybe it is Ted Horace Codger or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, if it is C. I don't know what the S would stand for. Anyway, um, so Craig decides, he resolves to go to the precinct later to find out who donated it. So he was going to go around the charity shops because Emma can't remember, she says, which one it was. So he's going to go around uh, on his beat, around the charity shops, find out just for funsies because he really wants to know whose crutch this is because he's obsessed with it now. Comes back later, no success. Tyrone's there at this point, who is, like Daniel, very much down with the kids, hanging around with people half his age. And uh, he thinks that Craig is nuts for getting so obsessed with this. And Craig's like, oh yeah, well, I bet you £20 I can find the owner of this crutch. And Emma's and Faye's hearts just sink at this point. Then we get Imran involved for a piece of um, Craig's, uh, a a loaf of his deliciously freshly baked bread. And says, "Um, Craig, you know what? You're, You're a policeman, aren't you? Don't you kind of have friends that solve crimes for a day job? And Craig's I like, do that you're a genius. Are you a, are you a detective as well, Imran? God, you're wasted in a, as a lawyer. You should be the one solving the crimes, not sending people down. Imran goes off to um, whatever he's up to at the moment. And uh, Craig, uh, we, we find out at the end of the episode that the, uh, the Weatherfield Police Station Forensics Department have got nothing else to do at the moment because, as we know, no crimes ever get committed in Weatherfield. So they're very happy to take it in, dust it for fingerprints and, uh, and try and get some DNA evidence to find out who last handled this crutch, which, let's not forget, um, its owner died, what, three weeks ago now? But apparently there may well be some fingerprints still left over there from him. Can I just say, I said we had a conversation with this you and me, didn't we? And I said, I don't think there's going to be fingerprints on it. No. Um, because, you know, there's been a length of time between him touching it and everyone else. It's also had, like, three people touching it since then. And Craig's not been able to let it go. He goes to sleep with this crutch. This is exactly what I'm saying. The way that, that Craig has been lovingly caressing it and rubbing his hands up and down it to like measure it and to, to, to sort of trace the the initials in carved into the wood. I don't think there's a square inch of that not covered in his bodily fluids. I know, totally. Yeah, he just like caresses it and say, "Tell me your secrets, Scratch." You're so mysterious and blank. Yeah. I wish I knew where you'd been before me. This is why Craig needs to like only be going out with very young women who haven't had a boyfriend before him. Yeah, totally. Tell me who you've been out with before me, you (laughs) mysterious creature. I think they need to have a scene where um, late at night, um, 
Faye and or Emma kind of tiptoe into Craig's bedroom and he's there holding this crutch up close to him and they have to kind of gently tease it out from between his clammy grip. And then the next day, he's like, have you seen the crutch? And they're like, what crutch? Have you, have you seen any crutch fame? No, I don't know what you're talking about. There's not any crutch here, is there, Emma? Are you going nuts, Craig? Oh, no, it, it must be a, it must be a symptom of that running accident that you had. Oh, all right, then. Anyway, back to work. Um, so anyway, Friday, um, still no fingerprint results yet. Craig tells the girls and um, blah, blah, blah. Nothing really happens in that scene. Um, now Craig gets Roy involved. He's, he's getting all the good characters into his rubbish storyline. First Imran, now Roy. And um, Roy, he says, you're good at deciphering initials, aren't you? Remember that ring a couple of years ago and you had that storyline with your mum's ring and you found out who that belonged to? You're an expert. Why didn't I come to think of you? Why didn't I think to come to you sooner? And Roy says, oh yeah, it's probably Trafford Health Surface, isn't it? Or Trafford Health Centre. Craig's like, <laughs> genius, Roy. He's like, oh, what? I'm surprised it didn't just say NHS on it. And he's like going, oh, who could this stand for? Nigel Havers (laughs) something. (laughs) It's it's Lewis Archer, he's back. Um, Anyway, Craig's done his little bit of um, investigating later. And it is a Trafford Health Service um, crutch, brand crutch from the... From, from 50 years ago, which is why it's, it's a wooden one rather than a metal one that everybody seems to use these days. And anyway, now he's going to talk to the, the crutch lady um, and, and find out who lent, who had one of these crutches recently. And, and of course, there's no such thing as patient confidentiality in the crutch wing of the hospital. So um, well, he's, she's going to tell him, oh, yeah, it's that Ted bloke. He was a lovely chap. He loved a ginger nut. Well, he's going to go in and, um, and like, maybe pull rank and say, I'm a police officer. And yeah. Maybe he might get, maybe this might lead to him getting in trouble. Craig, somehow, Craig, yeah, somehow Craig is able to avoid getting in any kind of trouble despite flagrantly breaking all police laws at every opportunity. <laughs> maybe it's about He's Teflon Craig. Maybe it is, maybe it is. Emma tells him to get a life, and and I think across the nation we're all saying, yes, Craig, please do. Yes. Um, You know, you were saying, oh, you know, uh, Roy and Imran have been um, sucked into this uh, vortex of stupidity. Yeah. Um, You know the reason they didn't have Toya? Why? Because she would have been like, Craig, you need (laughs) counselling. Yeah. I'll give free session, free taster session, trial period. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, just, just ridiculous, honestly. It started off as a bit of New Year fun, and this just turned into, I can't believe three weeks later this is still going, and it feels like there's no end in sight, doesn't it? The balance of this story is, you know, sometimes we, we like criticise them because they, they didn't convince us of something, or something got solved too easily. Um, and somebody's worked something out before they should have done, or um, this felt like the complete opposite of Coronation Street, like listening to that feedback and going, all right, then fine, how do you like this? How about protracted three-week storyline about Craig painfully, slowly trying to decipher the secret of the crutch that genuinely nobody would care about, and also, yeah, who cares? It's also just a ridiculous coincidence, isn't it? I mean... Fair play that you maybe if you if you're locked up and ill with your feet up or something maybe something will occupy your mind and you you will get obsessed with something but it's just so contrived that it's the that his flatmates 
person that they still dropped dead and didn't report to the police officers. It, oh, stupid, stupid story. I just think petition to buy Craig a PlayStation 5. He just need, he does he needs something doesn't he he needs a, he needs a gaming or give him some DVDs get him a Disney Plus subscription or something you know got to got to be something <laughs> yes. get him into Marvel yeah he, he get something Craig come on it's not He'll normal be sitting there with like a spreadsheet with all get him into Game of Thrones get him a character map and all the family trees sad thing is he's probably gonna restaurant. he's probably gonna get a promotion at work when he gets back because the chief superintendent will call him to the office and say I hear about what you've been up to young fellow lad while you've been held up and sick held up sick and um, that shows gumption I pr- promote <laughs> you to detective sergeant no they're gonna say look you used a lab time for no reason you pretended that you needed this information from the health service and you said it was for a police matter but you just wanted 20 quid off off tyrone what and you just wanted 20 quid off tyrone yeah yeah and also you were talking to your girlfriend when she was in prison which you're not allowed to do and your general uh numpty so you're fired yeah Right, um, should we move on? Speaking of storylines that are going on far along that they've got any right to be, um, the Dahl story, Dahl Emma, Gemma, Zidane and Alia and Yasmin, I think we can get through this fairly quickly because nothing much really happened this week, did it, to be fair to it? This was just Yasmin just yelling, like, like seemingly, again, taking it to 11 over how mad she is about this. Yeah. So on Monday, um, Alia and Zidane come to speed up to work and... Uh, um, Yasmin won't let Zidane in but she lets Alia in and um, Zidane asks Alia to try to find out from Yasmin <laughs> whether she was the one that donated the money to Joseph's fund so Alia does and she says yes um, and she makes a pointed comment about uh, how she doesn't like sh- she's not proud of Alia and She's not proud. No, Alia says, I'm proud of you, Yasmin. Yeah, and right. Yasmin's I'm like, I'm not proud of myself. What? She's not proud of herself? Yasmin's not, because she wishes that she hasn't... I'm not proud of you. Anyway. No, I, I thought that she was saying, I'm not proud of myself for being tied up in this web of lies, Alia. So I'm just going to get up. I just need to let the cat in the lounge. So you keep talking. At the end of this um, day, Stu gives Yasmin a note that Alia's left. But we don't ever get to find out what it says, I don't think. No, do we? we? No, we don't. Oh. Sorry, I'm just... I'm, can you still hear me all right? I'm just... Yeah, Michael, let me do right. it I'm on back. Wednesday. Yeah, Yasmin uh, bursts, down, bursts into tears at the end of Monday's episode. And I, and, I, and I said on the Facebook group, it was a note saying, Dear Gran, I'm sorry to have to break this to you, but the story's going on for another three months. And Yasmin's like, no, no, no. Back yeah. to you. I've now got a cat yeah. crawling right over in front of me. So if, if you get disconnected, it's because she stood on the uh, on the mouse. <laughs> Go on, carry on. Wednesday. On Wednesday, on Wednesday, Sudan is struggling to find work and Alia's being given not very much to do by Yasmin and she's employing agency staff to do most of it. And Sudan sees a disgruntled customer coming out of the shop so he goes in and it turns out the agency staff didn't turn up so he has to help out she's like oh i don't know whether i should really let you but sedan convinces him so at the end of the shift um Stu's asking sedan about what he should cook for yasmin and then he yasmin comes in and finds sedan there she gets really mad 
she lays into him for doing it behind her back. And, and he basically comes back at her and says, stop being so stupid and putting this feud in front of the family business. Um, fair enough. I think she's totally overreacting. Yep. <laughs> um, home time, Stu is apologising for letting Sudan help. And he's trying to build some bridges, he said. Um, and it, we get, again, like a kind of hint at Stu talking about his family situation and perhaps he feels like so i don't know is there an insinuation here that yasmin might be on the same track to lose her family that he was on at some point or something oh maybe anyway. oh yasmin's gonna be ending up on the street Gemma. before you oh, know maybe. it yeah gonna lose um, her house lose her family so uh leanne finds her down in the cafe with alia and she says, um, you can have a job at the bistro if you want it. And this isn't this to, like, um, isn't this a bit like what Debbie was doing before where she was cooking curries to try to poach business from yeah. Speed Girl? And now she's just got this, going to get the chef. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that some um, lo- um, shorter term viewers of Coronation Street would think it was a bit odd with Leanne um, inserting herself into Zidane's business here, wouldn't they? But, um, they, they used to be quite close to Zidane and Leanne. I think he made a pass at her once because she used to be going out with his dad until he That's burned right. to death in a fiery inferno. But they, all, they also had a lot of tension because Zidane is a very traditional kind of Muslim uh, lad and he found out that she was a lady of the night mm. and he disapproved of her relationship with his dad on that grounds. Yes, yes. So And then they, they're always friends. Yeah. I think I think they were feuding when Cal died, but when he when he died, I think they kind of bonded over their grief, didn't they? There I were quite can't a few scenes of them getting close to each other because of their mutual sadness. Do you yeah. remember that? V- v- vaguely, vaguely, you might. It was a while ago. Now, how long ago was that? Six, seven years, maybe. I don't know. I've lost track. Um, yeah, it was. So that that's the reason for that. If anyone was wondering, um, but there, there seemed like. There were no developments in this story this week, were there? Yasmin is still mad at Alia and Zidane, and Stu kind of fancies Yasmin a bit, but she either doesn't notice or she's pushing him away. I, that's about it. Yeah. Does that, does that summarize it pretty much? I did have a dream. Okay. I did have a dream about Yasmin this week. Just if we want to extend the discussion a little bit more, I don't know that it was the COVID, but it was a bit of a creepy one. I, I, I said about this on uh, on Twitter the other day, but I'll say it again. So I was dreaming that I was in this um, farmhouse somewhere um, in the in the sticks, and, and Alia was there, and she leads me out of the back, go through the <laughs> go through the straw and everything. And oh, you're all right. You dropped the phone or something. And. Uh, and um, yeah, and she takes me over to a, an old chicken coop or something, lifts the lid, and there, nestled among the straw, is Yasmin's chopped-up body. It was freaky. Uh, she she had her face that was kind of sliced off, staring <laughs> up at me, and it looked like you know in Dexter when they have it, you, they find bodies and they've been drained of blood. It was like this that it was completely clean, oh, chopped-up Yasmin Metcalf. In this, and Yasmin and Ali was saying, "Yeah, look at this. I did this." So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Ali saying, "Look what I found." Literally, she was showing off to me that she's chopped up her grandma, and um, <laughs> and so that was my Corrie dream on Tuesday night. So um, how lovely! I, I don't know what the deeper meaning behind that is. I'm not, I'm not really sure. But, um, that was kind of that was interesting. Oh, and the the only other thing that that was remarkable to me in this story was Mary's appearance. <laughs> Where she's talking about wanting to throttle Tracy, and I can't remember what um, it was that 
uh, that made her say this, but she was, uh, she says, oh, sometimes I imagine my, my hands around her neck and I'm squeezing, squeezing until my knuckles turn white. And that was quite a funny um, call back to Crazy Mary of, uh, of days yeah, gone that by. Funny. That was The reason she said that was because Tracy made her pick up a takeaway. Oh, was it? Was it? Yeah, okay. Her, her demanding boss at work. Okay, that was all right. Rest of the storyline, let's end it now, please. Um, finally, Gemma, do you want to... Oh, is it my turn? No, am I talking about that? My go... It was just our uh, Jenny and Leo, didn't we? So uh, Jenny and him are going to a Tom Rosenthal gig. Did I say that right? Is that, isn't that... I don't know who it is. I, I'm obviously past it like Jenny. I've got no idea who this bloke is. But there, she's uh, dolling herself up to go there tonight. Um, but uh, and they have and, and and there's a bit where Daisy walks in on Jenny going up to bed with Leo, and nothing particularly comes of that. But um, yeah, Leo's mates turn up. Now I kind of half missed this, so I don't know whether the notes that I've written here are right. So you have to correct me if I'm wrong, Gemma. But is Leo living with these two at the moment? Is that right? And they is want he to... stay, staying there because it's a a thing. I don't know, but anyway, they're selling up. Is that yeah? And he, but he wants to stay living in the house. But it could well be that before long he's not get anywhere to live. Yeah, is that right? I, oh, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. You're talking about he's staying with. He's staying uh, with his mates. His mates are his flatmates, right? Yeah, uh, that's what I just wanted yeah. to check. I think that's right. But they're moving yes. out, and he wants to stay living in that house because he loves it. And, and, yes. and Jenny looks a bit disappointed at this. I. I yeah. don't know. Um, but anyway, it also turns out that this, this lady is pregnant and they have a jolly old time talking about that. But Jenny's given them funny looks because she's starting to realise, oh, they're all kind of young and of, of childbearing age. Um, I'll never be a mum me. And I made a bit of a hash job of it last time. Um, Leo gets... No, she she goes behind the bar. Leo comes after her and she says, look, Leo, you're going to make a lovely dad one of these days, but I can't give you that. And he says, look, there's no way that I'm sacrificing a hottie like you over a hypothetical baby, so I'll take Jenny any time. Thank you very much. Um, by the way, how do you feel about meeting my parents? And Jenny's like, oh, this has suddenly got a little bit real. And also just kind of... I guess she kind of feels... It, it's another one of these... Um, I'm feeling out of my depth I never thought that I'd be in a situation again where I'm meeting my partner's parents because it all feels a little bit teenage doesn't it yeah you certainly wouldn't I don't obviously parents are always an important part of your life but as you get older I don't imagine that you know if you're in your in your 50s or something going oh I've got to meet the mum and dad well no she never had to meet Johnny's parents did she and uh, and Johnny she hasn't got any parents for Johnny to meet (laughs) I suppose there's Rita. Yeah, <laughs> That's Rita, the closest she's got. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that could be kind of funny. I, I was wondering, like, could could Leo's parents literally be Jenny's age or younger? Because I looked at the actor who plays Leo, and he's thirty two, I think. And so, with Jenny being fifty ish, that means that if Leo's parents were, you know, eighteen when they had him, she could she could well be younger than them. Oh, sorry, older than them. She could be older than them. Or it could be something like Leo's parents are somebody that she went to school with, maybe. That could be quite uh, quite awkward a situation. I'd quite like to see that. I think that would be fantastic. It would be hilarious. <laughs> I, I hope that there's kind of comedy in it. Um, I, I still don't really see any future for these two. But I'm, I, I did appreciate that they're trying to make them a nice couple. Lots of people are online are saying Leo's a bit 
either a bit creepy or a bit too good for, to be true, one or the other. Um, and, and he's going to have some dark secret or something. But I'm, I'm not particularly feeling that. He seems... No, he just seems, seems like a nice... Book. Yeah, he does. He feels like... Yeah, he feels very simple um, and, and, you know, trouble-free. And maybe that's what Jenny needs at the moment. I'm, I'm quite liking them as a couple. But equally, if, you know, he got hit by a truck in the next episode, I'd be fine with that as well. <laughs> Still possibly thinking that she could be pregnant, especially as the issue was brought up. Because we that was one of the predictions that we talked about last week, wasn't it? Is Jenny gonna have a um, you know, and and what's what's the phrase when you when you're past, you know, thirty and you have a have a baby? You an elderly mother, or I can't remember what the phrase is. Well, mature mother. Child, you're an elderly prima grave or something. Is that right? Yeah. So are we gonna have that story? And the fact that babies have been brought up just makes it make me think. Oh yeah, maybe they are testing the waters here and putting the idea in our head so Jenny will find out that she maybe is pregnant and does she want to keep it or not so um I say watch this space here elderly prima gravidia oh there you go I I, I knew it was something like that Tom Rosenthal is oh who is he he's the guy who was in Friday Night Dinner who wasn't the one with glasses the son oh really yes he's a comedian and he's got a who's um, that uh, called Manhood, um, which was at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. So he's oh. doing stand-up and stuff. I'd go to that. I'd go yeah. and see him if I know him. Oh, I suddenly I feel cool and with it again because I know who he is. I just didn't know his Can name. I just point out to you, Leo is not exactly a spring chicken. He, would you say he's 32? <laughs> 32, yeah. He's he's only uh, six, seven year, years old, uh, younger than us, isn't he? Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, th- this was all right. I-, I guess that next week and that story is going to get a bit more screen really time. Need to be said, but Jenny's not that old either. She is not. She is not. It's Do you know there. the definition now these days of when mi- you reach middle age is forty-five? Is that right? Is it? Oh, thank goodness for that. Then well, I like quite to think so. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember whether Jenny's had her fiftieth birthday. Obviously, Sal has because of her fifty for 50, uh, fifty-five k's thing. But I lose Jen- Jenny's birthday is. March maybe March April kind of time, but I, I don't know whether she's she's reached that particular milestone yet. But um, maybe that'll tie into it this year. I don't know. Anyway, any 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 thoughts or opinions on that one from from you? No. No. Okay. So what are we gonna rate this week's Coronation Street then, Gemma? Um, I think this was another one where I enjoyed talking about it an awful lot more than I enjoyed watching it. It wasn't terrible this week, and and by, for, by far what I enjoyed seeing the most of was the upskirting story, but there wasn't enough of it. The 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 Craig thing, well, you know, that was just utterly ridiculous. The Tim thing, I'm kind of invested in, but they could have literally halved the number of scenes and had exactly the same story beads going on in there. Um, and, and the Jenny, uh, sorry, the Gemma Chesney thing was all right, uh, but still nothing to get my pulse really racing. Like you know, somebody had told me that I was just about to have a triple heart bypass. You know, I th- yeah, I know what you mean. Um, unfortunately, there were too many scenes where it felt like deja vu. Yeah, um, you could have just copied and pasted the script for the. Tim and Sally story for basically the whole week. Not, uh, yeah, and, and I, re- I don't think anything really that happened in the in the speed dial story felt new or interesting or exciting. Um, 
I think I, I, I'm just going to kind of go down the middle again this week. I think I might give it um, three emergency tambourines out of five for me. It, it I have was, to say, it was I thought fine. it was very funny and sweet when he was uh, trying to bring out the tambourine. I I oh, am no. sorry if I besmirched his character by suggesting that he is um, <laughs> complicit, but mm. <laughs> as much as I love him, I, I would not give him a pass if he, if he knew about this before... Uh, the girls did and didn't say anything. It just, the way that Max was talking about it the other week is that it's throughout the school and it makes me think that there isn't anybody in the school who wasn't know that it was going on. And I the ju- thing is, these days, kids are like really switched on about social justice and and stuff. I don't think that that they would have thought, oh, well, you know what I mean? Somebody like Ardy in particular, maybe not Max, because I don't think he comes from a very strong cultural background in his family of doing good to others mm. but you know what i mean i just think that i and, and not teaching in a secondary school from, from what i gather people ch- teens sending nudes to each other and, and dick pics and, and all that is just the way it is at the moment and and it's Horrible. just a natural part of being in secondary school which to somebody you know like us who's a well out of it it just seems utterly abhorrent but apparently yeah that that's a thing so maybe I did it's very sinister yeah that that's why I really really do think that they should have at least doubled the amount of scenes in that storyline this week just to give it a little bit more depth and a bit more nuance yeah right so I'm gonna give my score now go for it Gemma. I, I want to give it um three crap tops <laughs> Nice. That's about as Can many as say, the school I has. Think the I think wardrobe department is responsible for quite a few of those on the street. What? Oh, crap tops. Yeah. Well, jo- that's what Joseph's got, isn't it? That's what started all this. Why somebody I, doesn't I just? Said this, I, I don't think I said this on the podcast. No. I said on, on social media that I can't believe this poor child who is surrounded by apparently incredibly talented seamstresses <laughs> is allowed to walk around with a hole in his jumper. I know, literally his aunt has worked at Underworld for the past 20 years. <laughs> and yeah. I just want to say, I know Sean's got nothing to do with this, but he's got time to like design and create a wedding dress in less than a month. I'm sure he could go, Oi lad, let me stitch your, ne- your neck up for you. Yeah. Totally. Doesn't need to have like a big square patch over it and send him into school looking like, you know, Wurzel Gummidge or anything. I'm sure that they could do a decent job. And yeah. prob- probably they'd just go to the lost property bin in school. If it's like anything I'm like my primary it. school, it's probably heaving with unclaimed jumpers. Just say, oh yeah, that one's mine. <laughs> Easy. Um, character right. of the week, Gemma. I'm kind of going Should towards... You reckon Bernie? Go on, why? Yeah. I just really like you know. I really think she's fantastic. I think um, we we had a few people complaining when we did our awards, didn't we, categories, that yeah. we didn't put her in money yeah. uh, category. And it got me thinking about Bernie a bit more and noticing her contributions. And I'm really loving her. I think she's fantastic. She's so warm. Um, She's she's got her head screwed on, hasn't she? And I know that she's into her woo-woo crystals and stuff, but she seems like the most... Um, the person in the street who I think is the most sensible, actually, is Bernie. <laughs> she feels like a real person, you know? Mm. And she's so sweet, and she's... she. I mean, she's got her own struggles in life, but she doesn't really need to be living with Chesney and Gemma and four 
babies and a, and a, and a kid, helping them, you know, to, to earn money, bring money in and feed the family. She could sod off somewhere else and live in a bed set and be perfectly happy. But she's, she's helping them out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a nice character aspect of her, don't you think? That she's... I think no, so. I think she can have a little family. I'd like to see her do more away from that family unit because, I mean, the, the Winter Browns are not the most compelling family unit on the street, are they? But of, the, of them, she's by far the best. I think I like Gemma more, and I know that it's that's not the thing to say, but I, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely getting back some of my love for Gemma that I used to have. And, and, and Chesney being a, a miserable asshole is making me feel sorry for Gemma and I'm getting sympathy for her over the, the poverty and everything. And she is not vile and gross out and dumb as as much as she used to be, um, which, which I, I'm very happy with. I, I don't, I hated hating Gemma. Um, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm she's, she is my favourite in the family at the moment. Um, so who's your character of the week? My character of the week. I, 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 I still don't love Bernie as much as everybody else seems to. I think she's fine. I think Jane Hazelgrove is a, is a great actress. But there's something about her, maybe it is her crystal woo-woo stuff, as you put it, that uh, that puts me off her a little bit. I just um, think she's got a twinkle in her eye all the time, and I really like that. She always looks like she's finding the funny side of stuff, which is difficult when you've got <laughs> so much stress going on. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm erring towards Amy again, I'm th- or I'm thinking maybe... Aggie, um, because I mean she she was lovely and supportive, and yes, maybe she should have told Sally, but equally, well, that would have gone against her patient confidentiality. So maybe she can, that can be her reason. Um, boy, I think, yeah, I am going to go for Aggie. I mean, I, 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 she, she's maybe joint with Amy for me, but I gave it to Amy last week, and um. Yeah, I, I, I think that Aggie is a, a real decent um, character. I think that she's helpful. Um, she's she's warm. Um, she's she's quite strong. Um, and, and like I said, the potential to be a, a decent, sensible uh, curry matriarch were they to give her the right story at some point. So there we go. Aggie and Bernie, two curry mums winning our character of the weeks this week. Yeah, girl power. <laughs> Indeed. Right, let's finish with um, Street Talk for now and uh, head on over to the cabin for a bit of news. There we go, we managed Street Talk. Time for the news, though. Um, not a whole lot of news this week, is there? Not much going on in the world of Corrie. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's really difficult to kind of still give you cues. Like, now it's your turn to speak. Okay, now right. there is... Not much news. There's Dancing on Ice news, isn't there? Um, yes, there is. Sally, Sally Denever. Denever's in Dancing on Ice, and she did her first dance last week, didn't she? She got yes. 23 points. Which is usually quite um, good, I think, for the first week, but it still put her like second from bottom in the leaderboard. Although, a, I think when they, they start Dancing on Ice, we didn't watch the programme. Did you even watch Sally's performance? I can't remember. Mm, oh, I think... Yeah, I, I did, didn't I? Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't remember. We... we Oh, yeah, that's right. Somebody texted us to say Sally's just about to come on. So we turned yeah, the telly on, watched her have an escape, and then we turned it back off again. So, yeah, when I saw that she got 23 points, I thought that's pretty good for the first week. But out of the six people that dance, second from bottom, and then this weekend it's going to be six other people dancing. Um, 
And I guess it's then everybody the week after. I still don't know how this works. But yeah, she got she got three five and a half and one six and a half, and she danced to "She's Always a Woman" by Billy Joel. And I thought she looked quite graceful and everything as well. So I, I, I did. She looked very pretty lovely. good. She's job. like a, a lovely dancing fairy, isn't she? She Floating is floating around in the ice. Absolutely. Um, she's been she's been doing a few interviews and stuff about this, and she says that she's very very unconfident about it. She's like been wanting to give up at times, but um, you couldn't particularly tell from from watching her, could you? She looked like she knew what she was doing. I thought. Actor. I know, acting again. And, and speaking of which, she has said as well that if she does take a tumble and break a neck or something, then Corey will write that into the episode, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if she comes with her head dangling backwards or something, then um, I'm sure she'd have just oh, tripped over gosh. a stray cobble. But um, yeah, anyway. They're very, they're uh, what's the, hazardous, aren't they? They're so hazardous, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know who any of the other celebrities are. Bez? Is one of them? Do you, I, this is a name I maybe have heard of, but I don't know who it is. But I, yeah, who's Bez? He's well famous, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know. He's the only person that got lower than Sally. I think he's the comedy he's entry. The, the DJ. Uh, I think he's the Anthony Cotton of this year's Dancing on Ice. Dare I say it? Um, what does that mean? Well, he's not very good. I, I, good? I, I, I never said that, Gemma. I don't even know what you mean by that because <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I'm just saying he's the person that um, maybe does the comedy acts. Let's let's put it like that. Well, I think he's kind of like a jovial, is he like a jovial man? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, best of luck, Sally. But um, you got to do better than that if you want to stay in the running. That's all I'm saying. But she might be one of these ones that you know makes good progress throughout the weeks, and they like that on Dancing on Ice. Because if you have somebody who's just like full marks right from the beginning, people are like, well, stuff off then. You shouldn't even be on this program. So you never know. Um, what else we got? The, I think the only the only other big bit in the news this week, which wasn't even proper news, was about the um, the Britain's uh, sorry the British Soap Awards may be returning. Did you hear that? I did because you told me. Sorry, I'm just I'm still trying to make this more. Oh, I'm I just thought I'm used to doing this separately from you. Yes, right, everybody, so- the British Soap Awards may be back this year after a two year hiatus. Yes. <laughs> According to TV Zone. Whoever that is. But, but ITV hasn't said anything. No. The British Soap Awards, are they the ones that Philip Schofield does? They yeah? are the Scope Awards, yes. They're the ones that we've right. been to a couple of times. We've been there like three three times have we seen the British Soap Awards, I think. There's the one where they all... get them confused with the other ones, which is the National Television Awards. Those are the ones that used to be in January, aren't they? The National TV Awards used to be in January, but the last one was in September. And the British Soap Awards have always been at the end of May time to coincide with Britain's Got Talent Week on Coronation Street, when everybody's clicking away with their voting fingers. So, I mean, possibly it's going to come back around this time. But it is complete rumour, just according to the sources from... Um, from this TV zone, whoever they are. But I, I kind of assumed it would come back this year, did you? Yeah, I, what, oh, I don't know why they would not do it again, because uh, maybe it maybe it loses loads of money, I don't know, but I, I think it's great. I like I like the SAFE Awards. It's um, I think it's a bit fairer than some of the other awards that Coronation Street goes in for, you know, like categories and things where it's either just all the soap versus each other, <clears throat> which is fair enough, or they pop them in with other things where yeah. soap feel like it's appropriate to judge a soap against, you know, yeah. a multi-million pound, 
you know, whatever TV show from America or something. No, I mean, soaps are like they're, they're their own thing and, and it doesn't need its own award ceremony. But I just think it's cool, that, especially with you know soap audiences dwindling over the years, especially in the 20 odd years since the British Soap Awards have been on. It's nice that we've got our own our own little thing and it's a whole, what, two hours of just just soapy stuff and it you know get a chance to relive all the best moments of the year again boo the villains and and and, and well, exactly a friendly friendly rivalry between the soaps yeah exactly I, I i really like it i think um i think they should definitely bring it back yeah. um it's just a question of when is the most appropriate time I, yeah. I would have thought this year, but I would have thought so. I mean, a lot of the other awards, COVID going around. I know that, that that is still COVID, I believe so. But um, who knows? By the end of May, we could have another variant by then. But it, I think, and that the other other award ceremonies have gone taken place in person, haven't they? Like the National Television Awards, for example, and that was last what September or October time. Um, so it's not that like award shows aren't happening at all. So, yeah, I hope so. And um, it would be good if we could go along there as well, especially if it's in London. That's going to be easier for us to go to. But we'll have to wait and see, won't we? So we'll just, just chalk that one down to a rumour at the moment and, and watch this space, everybody. But fingers crossed we'll be able to do the British Soap Awards and Philip Schofield again later this year. And that's about it, isn't it? That's more it for the news. More news. Else to talk about. Not a whole lot. Not particularly, anyway, that we want to talk about. Not a whole lot. Um, so I, I guess we'll just go on to the feedback then, shall we? Yes. <laughs> let's let's do some feedback. Time for some feedback. Thank you, everybody, for sending us your lovely feedback. I always love reading it and listening to it and stuff and finding out what you're scoring. Last week's Coronation Street on the Facebook poll, it was 3.33 for last week's Coronation Street. So, all right, you thought Curry was. Um, Judith gave it... Three times Joseph had to ask for money for his school trip out of five. Dave <laughs> scored at two unchecked attics out of five. I like that one. And Fiona, Fiona knew she was going to get picked with this one. Three kids who take the perkiness from your knockers and the calcium from your bones out of five. <laughs> oh, God, kids. Who'd have them, eh? I'll tell you what, a cat would never do that to you, would it? No. No, it would not. <laughs> I certainly hope not. They could. <laughs> Right, um, I'm going to read an email from Cindy out first. And Cindy has this to say. I hope you're both well. No, I've got COVID. And I'm very sorry to hear you've been... Oh, she knows. I'm very sorry to hear you've been struck down with COVID once more, Michael. But you've got... You're fine. I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Literally, there's been nothing wrong with me for about three, four days now. Um, I'm a massive fan of Corrie, says Cindy. And I will sing its praises whenever I have the opportunity to do so. That being said... What are your thoughts on which direction the production team should be steering the show over the next few years? It's common knowledge that Soap's viewing figures have fallen off the edge of a cliff compared to where they once were. Maybe it's the times we're living in and maybe people find Soap's outdated these days. But I must, when they get it right, I must admit, when they get it right, they are still as gripping as ever. I personally think the fact that there are too many characters and too many different stories has put people off. If you think about when Corrie was at its height, it had a smaller cast and it was more character-led than plot led will this sort of thing ever return or are they going to carry on and is uh, as is and eventually end up in the state eastenders finds itself in what would be your plan to increase views love to hear your thoughts I, I, this should have been put in a list of questions segment really I, but um I, I thought it was quite um, something to kick off the, the feedback this week could be quite good Gemma you are the uh, the soap doctor 
numbers are declining. They've called you in to save the show. What do you do? I say, what am I doing here? <laughs> and I say, is my pay dependent on my um, achievement? If so, I'm going. One pound per viewer, please, in my no, salary. No, I'd do that. Um, this is this is like one of the most difficult questions to answer, and if, um, I think that nobody knows, do they? Uh, no, because if they were, they'd all be doing it. And then it's not just the case that you know one soap isn't doing it right. You can't say, "Oh, this is Ian McLeod's fault," or "This is um, Kate." Uh, what's her name? Kate and East, aka Oates fault. Is she still doing it now? I don't know. Because it, all, all of the soaps are declining now. Maybe Emma Dale isn't declining as at a quicker rate, neither is Hollyoaks, but that's because they were never that high to begin with. But it's it's something across soaps. So it's I, I think it's more to do with the genre of it than yeah, and any particular decisions that any head honcho is making. Unless you know, we can say all, all of the all of the people in charge are doing the same thing by um, you know, putting the sensational stories in and increasing the cast, which I I don't know for sure, but I imagine that is similar on all of the soaps. I think I can see the strategies that are being used, and I don't want to. Um, I'm not. I'm not an expert. Um, I don't pretend to be an expert on it. I just watch a lot of it and talk a lot about about it. So I think that you kick things up. Seems to me as though the strategy is. Um, more tie-ins with charities and issues-based storylines mm-hmm. and boosting the younger cast um, and giving them more relevant stories to that age group They'd, to yeah. make it, to bring in the kids. And I, if that's not what they're doing, uh, why they're doing it, um, I think that would it's it's insane to imagine <laughs> that they're just doing this by accident. Because that really, think, really does seem to be Corey's... Um strategy at the moment doesn't it i can imagine that pinned on a on a cork board somewhere at media city more charities more kids yes the demographic of soap watches is aging as we've all heard i guess i guess this is a i don't know if any research has been done on it but it's certainly a sort of accepted wisdom isn't it that you know younger people just aren't getting into soaps yeah, it's Another not been too long ago since we just... Oh. Was it even last week's pro, uh, podcast that we talked a bit about that and the young demographic trying to get them more interested in but are they fighting a losing battle in the face of streaming and you know Netflix and, and video games and that? The other thing is... Um, how do people watch soaps and they're trying to... trying to um, appease the younger demographic, I think, also by putting it on streaming at certain times to make it easier to access. Um, I think there are other things they could be doing, you know. I, I would try to be a bit more radical with it, honestly. I would I would create social media accounts for characters and I would make that part of the story because... Oh, nice. Well, so, soaps are TV-based and they always have been, but is entertainment TV-based anymore or is it a bit more nebulous and, and um, diffused? I'm going to argue, yeah, and I think that also, I don't want to toot my horn here um, or try to benefit, try to act like I'm benefiting myself, but I think that they should support fans and I think that they should um, encourage fan content and they should, um, like the idea that they had with those TikTok guys that never seemed to go anywhere, Yeah, that's the sort of thing they really need to be doing. They need to be having people talking about 
in uh, Coronation Street on social media platforms and creating content and sharing it and keeping people remembering what's going on. Yeah, um, and I, I think, think they do that's get... very strong in classic Coronation Street. I think there's a lot of very dedicated fans who like to talk about their favourite eras of Coronation Street and, you know, I'm, you know, let's talk about the 80s or here's a picture of Elsie Tanner or something. I don't see that so much for modern Corrie. No. I no. don't know how they can support fans, but I, I think community days, I think... Um, you know, having panels of uh, asking people to come in and, and talking to them. And obviously, it'd be nice if they did this from my own personal perspective, but I certainly wouldn't expect you to be invited to any of these necessarily. And also, I wouldn't care if I wasn't. I would just, I just think that it's a good strategy. Um, and yeah, get, get Coronation Street in as many things as possible. And yeah, I like the idea of having content that isn't, necessary to understand the story but is additional and we said this before about what did we what what do we want from the 60th and i said you know live tweeting from characters that goes as the actions unfolding on the screen uh, the difficulty of that is that it relies on people watching it live but also there's a bit of a delay isn't there because mm. i was watching cory on the um on the on the, on the itv hub and you're watching it on the telly and i was about a minute behind you well yeah most of yeah uh, yeah no that does make it more difficult i i don't know it, it feels like you know social media is the way but it feels it really does feel like a an unwinnable ba- a winnable battle and yes they they you can see when they try to get themselves talked about because they have these big issues or they have the big sensational stories especially when it comes up to awards weeks and everything and they do whatever they can to try and get people clicking on them and talking about them but as soon as the story goes it just drops again and and it feels like they've not necessarily made any new ground they've just gone back to where they were before in terms of how many people like them and maybe they've lost some along the way as well because some of the old time viewers think well that was that was too much that was too ridiculous that was too sensational I give up watching it it's it seems like an impossible job. I, 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 we, we've made no, um, you know, no secret of the fact that we do think that the cast is too big. And for for us personally as viewers, I think they would do worse than to cut the cast right down, focus on properly developing a smaller number of characters. But is that going to bring in new viewers? I don't know. I wouldn't say necessarily. No, I agree with you. I think the cast needs to be cult. I think. Um... Now here's my radical idea, and it kind of is based on it's kind of um, a crystallization of what I was just waffling on about there. Is and this is this is kill or cure, okay? And and I wouldn't do this if I was the producer. This is going to take somebody who has got absolute confidence. Mm. Coronation Street is a show, okay, but it could also be a brand, and turning the focus of your uh, activity to Coronation Street, the brand, instead of Coronation Street, the show. So you still have a show, but there's a, an extended universe, if you like, of Coronation Street that adds to the show and it becomes impossible to escape no matter what platform you're on. So you could have an ongoing story on Twitter with some characters talking to each other that you could follow there. Oh, you can have a TikTok 
uh, account of like Summer and her trying to get into university. This is kind of what they did at the very beginning of Coronation Street where they had spin-off shows, which was using the way that people consume media of the time, which is just watching TV shows and and making more Coronation Street content. Mm. Um, they did it again with the DVD spin-offs and that was another thing. That's another way that people used to consume media, watching DVD specials with things. Now, they haven't done any... They did those... Um, they did do the shorts, the internet shorts, didn't they? But it's been so That's long, they've way. kind of seemed to have given up on that, haven't they? Whenever they yeah, do but... anything like that, it's a hit for five, six weeks or so. By hit, I mean it kind of makes waves, but not a massive hit. And then and then it's gone again. Harry's never been afraid of spin-offs. But I think that they need to think of Coronation Street as a brand and not, not a show. So, they, like, for example, make official Coronation Street compilation videos of Elsie Tanner's story or a documentary you know all of these things they can be making and and putting on platforms and selling them to people kind of like the road to Coronation Street Mm. stuff like that stories about about like repackaging the old stories in a new way to to for people to watch and I think it's going to take it's those sort of things that established fans are going to want to watch. But the other stuff, those are the things that can hook hook people in. We talk, we've talked a bit about getting the, the young crowd in, but do you think that there's anything that Coronation Street could do to reclaim back the lapsed viewers? Because there's, I think that getting people back who used to be big fans of it, and I'm, I mean, look, if you look in, in the last 10 years, they've lost, what, five, six, seven million viewers? So there's lots of people that, relatively recently were avid watchers how do we get those back in is it just by bringing back old characters or or, or... i just think the answer is not more television no i think they've got too much i think the commitment of watching six episodes a week is too much to ask of people but they also have to create a certain amount of content because they've got sponsors Mm. now would those sponsors be happy if it was you know, Argos sponsors Coronation Street's TikTok story about summer going to university. I don't know. But all I'm saying is that Coronation Street shouldn't just be a story that's told on TV because that's not necessarily how people are going to watch and consume stories. That's not necessarily how it, how it's going to be. Mm. And it isn't at the with, moment. With the number that's of... my weird idea. No, no, I like it. Well, with, with the number of episodes, we have to remember as well that EastEnders is still, I think, only on four episodes a week, yet they seem to be in the worst state compared to all of the soaps at the moment. You know, that, Hollyoaks not included, but they seem to be massively, massively in trouble. But it's not to do with there's too much of it. I don't know, not you know, knowing enough about EastEnders, I don't know what the main sticking point is there, but... Oh, it, it's a real difficult one, isn't it? I, I don't envy the people in charge, and I wonder, I wonder how much the current producers are trying to improve things versus just trying to keep things level and not drop off anymore. Because Kate... I think I, I think that this is kind of being overblown a little bit here. I don't think that it's um, panic stations. We're, we're not on life support, no, but we can see the downward trajectory over the years. But, but I think there's going to inevitable for all TV, though. This is my argument. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and I think there will there will always always be a real core group of fans that will watch it. It's not going to be dipping under, you know, one million ever, is it? So you know, I just want people to put this into perspective a little bit, okay? 
Game of Thrones season seven, the premiere of that of that series in this country got three point five million viewers. Yeah. So, what's Coronation Street getting? That's in what four five million maybe. So it, it, come on. Yeah. It's yeah. not getting you know eighty million people tuning in every day. That's not how people watch TV. Whenever I hear about statistics for big tentpole named shows in America, I'm always shocked actually how very few that they actually mm. get. Yeah, that's get true. That, that is people. true. And the, the things that get the big viewers now are the, the, the series. Go on. In America, the, the, the seventh season in America, which has got how many millions? 350 million people. They, the seventh season of, of the Game of Thrones got 10 million viewers. Wow, yeah. I mean, it, it does make you think, doesn't it? So let's just it? put this into perspective. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's still making money. At the end of the day, if they can get sponsors and they can make money out of it, I don't see why we need to worry about it. Um, but I will say, let's also think about what I was saying about, um, like, other, other TV shows and ways of watching things. And that, you know, Squid Game got one and a half billion views in the first 28 days mm. worldwide. Yeah. Something to aspire to for Coronation Street. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that it could be worse. It could be worse than really thinking about can, can this be an IP? Can Coronation Street be an IP that lives beyond the soap? And I know that they've dab- dabbled and, and dillied around with with stuff in the past and that I don't think it's been particularly successful but people are buying into this idea of extended universes a lot more these days because of Marvel and what they're mm, doing mm, and yeah. you know if, if you if you watch you know the Loki series and you don't like it you're still going to watch the next I don't know Spider-Man film mm. it's the same thing yeah I yeah. think Ken is Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> you'll always watch him well everyone will always watch him yeah I think um, I'm, I'm thinking of like big events, like when Ken finally meets his maker. How many people are going to watch that? Will they see a significant boost in numbers? I wonder because that that sort of thing yeah, might bring back sure the lapsed viewers. But um, I I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I'm always interested when there's a new producer about what their um, now what how they say this is this is my this is what I'm going to do as a producer. And I always remember Ian McLeod saying I want to bring back the classic Corrie comedy. That was one of his his pledges, and, it, and in some ways it worked, in some way it didn't. But, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just I just want Kate Oates to come back to Corrie, really. But I know that I'm. A, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I know that not everyone would be for that, but she's not. I, I don't know. Shit. I, I think I think we've answered that as much as possible. I think it was mostly you that answered say, that. If and... anybody thought I was exaggerating about Squid Game, I'm not talking out of my bum here. There. When Squid Game came out, in the first 28 days, and this is from CNET.com, um, it was viewed uh, 1.65 billion hours of view of views in the first that's 28 days. crazy, utterly crazy. Days. And, and that's compared to the next highest rated, high, the most watched show, sorry, which is Bridgerton, which had 625 million hours in the first hmm. 28 days. Well, there's the solution then. Put Coronation Street on Netflix. There, well, no, can I point out that we have a contact in Bridgerton? Do we? Oh, yeah, of course we do, with um, Sally <laughs> Dinova's daughter, yeah. 
get her in get her in Coronation Street in a fancy dress shagging people behind trees or whatever they do in that <laughs> programme. We only watched the first episode of that, didn't we? Far too coarse for us. Like it. <laughs> right, I'm going to move on to the next email, Gemma. Thank you very much. That was a good answer to that one. Uh, Richard sent us a message yesterday saying, I thought I would share some thoughts on one specific current storyline, the Chesney and Gemma poverty one. As a family, they're probably unique in the show at the moment in that they are very poor. Not hard up or struggling, but poor. Having been watching the show since I was a young lad in the 70s, their situation reminds me of the Ogdens, whose pecuniary situation was always the same. Without being political about this, the UK is the fifth richest economy in the world and we should not have anyone living in or near to poverty. The reality is that thousands of families are and are reliant on support from agencies such as food banks. Having grown up in a similar-ish economy environment myself, I have a lot of empathy with the Winter Brown situation and feel it's good that the programme is recognising that so many families do struggle from day to day to provide the basics. As the show's evolved over the years, the focus has moved away from its working class origins and I feel that this could be an opportunity to give Gemma, Chesney, Bernie and the children some worthwhile storylines. I enjoyed the Joseph running away to Hope's Attic storyline, but feel they could have extended it a lot longer. I struggled to understand why I liked it specifically until I heard last week's podcast and you quite rightly highlighted that it brought the street together as a community. The dynamic between Hope and Joseph is great, which isn't surprising due to them being real-life twins. As I always remind slash bore everyone in the Facebook group about every time their real-life relationship is referenced, their big sister plays April Dingle in Emmerdale. She is a brilliant actress and has been given some very challenging storylines over the years. Now, I don't think my opinion on the character on a character has ever changed as much as it has with Bernie too. When she joined the show, I found her nondescript and boring and now she is one of my favourites. I feel she has the potential to be one of the show's great matriarchs who will do anything for her family, but still knows how to have fun, i.e. her bunk-ups with Dev. <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much, Richard. It's good to see that, um, that that's, uh, there's some praise coming for this storyline. Because I have seen people somewhat negative about it on the internet. I mean, it's clouded by the amount of um, vitriol that's been targeted towards the Craig stuff. But um, it, it's okay, this story, isn't it? And, um, and like Richard... Which, what are you saying? I'm just saying that this 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 story I've seen a few people moaning. Well, the Winter a, Brown story. Yeah, people are moaning a bit about it online. Right. Really. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think people are loving it. Uh, it it's not going to be. It's not you know going to be a contender for the story of the year, is it? We're still waiting for that to start. Um, whatever's going to be this year's big hitter, headline grabbing, award winning story. Um, but yeah, it's good good to hear that Richard's enjoying it. I think it, his email touched on quite a lot of what we. Um, what we discussed already and he's got another got another fan for Bernie there as well like you Gemma yeah um I don't know I don't know what else to add to this particularly but um yeah interesting what he pointed out about the um the Browns being compared to the Ogdens um I think I think the difference is I mean that they were a lot more lovable weren't they the Ogdens (laughs) I mean you had Hilda with her heart of gold and everything which I suppose is similar to what with what Richard was saying to Bernie and everything, but um, but also there's still the the same element of it's kind of self inflicted, but in in the in the old days it was kind of fun, funny and you were invited to laugh at how hapless and feckless Stan was, you know, but you know, boys, Coronation Street is tied up in in sort of issues based storylines, and if if um Helder and Stan were in Corrie now, it would be like. 
financial abuse, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, Hilda and, with Hilda and Stan, you know I mean? we, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But with Hilda and Stan, we also didn't have, uh, Hilda and Stan, sorry, we didn't have the uh, the positivity vacuum that is Chesney. And I think if they just <sighs> sat down and moaned about it, they wouldn't be quite as entertaining to watch. But at the end of the day, they were a fantastic couple who clearly loved the bones off each other. And uh, and we, we never forgot that. Um and, and I don't think we're getting that quite as much with Gemma and Chesney. I, I'm not feeling, you know, masses of warmth between the two of them. Do you? And it's not even Feel... like that's part of the story, which we had with um, Fizz and Tyrone, where they basically, Tyrone felt like he, they weren't in a relationship anymore yeah. because they were just working and looking after the kids. Yeah, I mean, if you were to say to me that, you know, Chesney and Gemma were brother and sister, if I was like, if I was a new viewer walking in, I might believe that. Or if they were just friends living with each other, I'm not, I'm not feeling that affection between them. And I know that when you go through these kind of hardships, sometimes that sort of thing can fall by the wayside. But I think they do worse than to try and um, maybe, maybe make us care about them a little bit more as a, as a couple, make us see that they love each other. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. Maybe. Um, right, do you want to uh, do the next email, Gemma? Yep, I've got one from Nancy here, and she says, she loved Hope and Joseph last week and felt bad for Chesney and Joseph. It's hard to be a family when money is always the issue, and Chesney is really struggling. I also found it hilarious that Hope was able to hide Joseph while everyone else was looking for him. Hmm. But I think Evelyn suspected her. I love Jenny's scene in the Rovers when she mentioned the flying horse. I would love it if Jenny had a competition with the landlady of the flying horse where the field arms. I don't see how Tim can hide an operation much longer. Sally will feel terrible when she finds out. Miriam left too quick. She'll be back. Arlie and Zidane, I forgot she went. I know, I forgot about Miriam. She out of the show last week, out of out of show, out of mind. Yeah. Nancy says, Arlie and Zidane should have told Yasmin about their problem from the beginning. How come Arlie and Zidane didn't use the money to find a place to live? <laughs> Bet they wish that they'd skimmed a bit off, off the top now. Zidane certainly needs it. There is, I just want to say something as well. There is definitely a difference between um, like nitpicking and pointing out a simple solution that seems to have just been ignored to, to create drama in a story that kind of didn't have it organically. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you know totally, I mean? totally. Okay. Um, I love Amy speaking out on the upskirting issue and yelling at Max. I worry Summer is heading for a collapse. I think putting Shona and Rita together in the cabin is brilliant. Yeah, we haven't seen it yet, have we? No, that was bizarre. It's like setting something up so that in a few weeks' time, if somebody walks into the cabin and Shona's there, we don't say, what's she doing there? They do this really often as well. They set up things and you're like, brilliant. Whoever came up with this idea, fantastic. I I can't wait to see these scenes. And then what scenes? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's funny that Nancy mentioned that Summer's collapsed because that whole... um, Summer's hoarding sweets has also nothing happened with that this week, has it? I want to know how much money she made. I think that she's uh, she needs to go and um, get some of those sweets off of Hope. She's got a whole bag full, hasn't <laughs> she? Imagine that. Go and, go and mug Hope in the street. That's how just to show what um, depth she's she's fallen to. That she attacks this little ten year old girl just to get a bag of a hundred pounds worth of, of, of sweets. Well, you know, who hasn't done that? But, I, but um, it's, it, it makes me wonder whether is this storyline, is, is the upskirting storyline part of the summer storyline and summer's issues with that she's having with diabetes and eating disorders or are they separate or are they just running concurrently? I, I don't know. It's because it's nothing has been given enough time in, in that story. 
Um, Nancy says, I love the Rita, Jenny and Sally scenes too. Give this week three episodes out of five, three, uh, hang on, three Ted's crutches out of five. Some people think that Hope has the potential to become the future Tracy Barlow. Ooh, this is why I'm giving Character of the Week to Hope. Huge shout out to Amy and Joseph. Nice, nice. And finally, I have got an email from Rebecca here who says, better week than last time, thanks to Joseph and Hope. Love these two so much, and I think it's cute how well they bounce off each other being twin brother and sister. I'm wondering if the quads will be taken off Gemma and Chesney due to the authorities pinning neglect on Joseph onto Gemma and Chesney. Possibly, although they seem kind of okay with it at the moment, don't they? This, this, these messages from Rebecca were sent before the uh, social services guy came in. Um, it all depends on, like I said, if, if Clint's going to do something to, to screw over the Winter Browns. So maybe maybe they will be taken away from them. Um, I also like the Auntie Fizz line and Hope blaming Joseph for stealing money from Fizz's purse. I'm enjoying Clint, although I wouldn't mind if he was just a background character, someone who's a scammer. I think that he absolutely is a background character. He's kind of, um, in my head, sits alongside the likes of um, Charlie West, um, who was, bro- uh, who was um, Les Battersby's mate, and uh, uh, Charlie Moffat, so that, that kind of sort of... Is, is that the right person? What, what about um, the guy who had the donkey? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I can't remember what his name was. Um, Tommy <laughs> Deacon, like- was it? Yeah, I think that's that rings a bell. Yeah, he, he he's just a he's just a proper kind of Fagin sort of character, isn't he? I I don't think he's going to hang around the the street. I I don't love him, but I, I don't think we're supposed to love him really. Um, I don't normally rate Chesney, Rebecca says, but I felt sorry for him this week and I felt his pain. One story that continues to annoy me is the Alia and Zidane one, although I did enjoy Yasmin throwing them out on Monday's episode. I'm still living stew, and I'm glad he's moved into Yasmin's house. If the cough has disappeared, then I'm happy for him and Yasmin to have a relationship and for him to work quietly at speed dial. However, I still feel that he, a fear that he might die. Tim's just uh, Tim, just tell Sally, please. And yes, all roads are leading towards Sally thinking he's having an affair. I did laugh, though, at the massive bunch of flowers he got for Aggie. Um, I like the Sally and Jenny scene, too. And like Michael said, if Jenny's happy, then I'm happy. Gemma, I agree. I love Amy this week and I completely agree with her crusade. Summer eating a big bar of chocolate is wrong. Oh God, then I'm also very wrong this week, Rebecca. And I bet she will end up in hospital again. Although if it leads to her and Ardy getting back together, I'll be happy. Um, I also enjoyed seeing Jacob again. Yeah, Jacob, he's had another week off, hasn't he? Come on, where is Jacob going to come into this story? What is going on with him? Um, Shona in the cabin is brilliant. And even though the scenes in the Platts household are a bit random, I enjoyed it. Oh, by the way, speaking of Jacob, I did watch um, Jack James Ryan's episode of Vera. So he was um, he was in that on Sunday night. And I, I don't know if anybody who knows this, but Vera is a long running, like 11 series long um, detective drama on ITV that I've never seen an episode before of before. But it's... Um, some northeastern motherly matronly detective woman and um jack james ryan was in it as um he he's kind of playing jacob really he was a bit of a ducker and a diver but he was in the episode for about three minutes and i and in, in isolation the other day i sat and watched this for an hour and a half waiting to see more of jack james ryan and uh it, it was definitely a blink and you miss it appearance he was good um and the program was all right i've never seen it before but um, yeah, I, I felt. Don't tell me it's 
at the end, was it Vera? But don't tell me. It was not. Uh, oh, okay, I won't, I won't tell you. <laughs> and Yeah, his, his character just kind of disappears halfway through. But I, I enjoyed seeing him, um, definitely. Um, anyway, was, where was I? Um, I enjoyed seeing Rita again, and Jenny and Rita's scenes were always good to watch. Um, however, Shona telling the sweet salesman where to go was brilliant. Character of the week was Hope. And give it three songs sung about Yasmin out of five. Oh yeah, we Aww. had we had Stu yes, serenading so Yasmin last week, didn't we? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, thank you, Rebecca. I hope you feel better because you were in a car accident yesterday. Yes, but poor Rebecca was in a car accident, not with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's just a coincidence that he was also in a car accident <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I think she's. I think she just hurt her shoulder, so um, I hope that it feels better. Yes, soon, sending our love, Rebecca. I hope, I hope you are yeah. feeling better soon. And I just wanted to pick up something that she said about the um, the chocolate bar. Yes. Um, oh, I think that Summer is, it's clearly self-harm, isn't it? That mm, she's mm. doing this. And in a way, this feels a bit like um, cutting, you know? Yeah. And I think it's probably quite, if Coronation Street wants to do a story about self-harm, I think it's sensible to do it with something that is not easily accessible to the majority of people who are watching it who could be quite impressionable because we know that um, it can be kind of, there's a, there's a social contagion element to some of these these things. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, it still has the potential to cause harm to diabetic teenagers who are watching this who um, might, you know, mirror the behaviour in their own lives you're right Gemma but I mean try as I might I've never been able to find a big bar of Kenners in the shop I mean it's more elusive than that RL is honestly you can't get it anywhere (laughs) but you see you see what I mean um it's it's a self-harm storyline and it's one that is not going to um hopefully influence no it's not going to lead to copycats of people that you can't escape the the possibility that you're going to influence this behaviour in somebody watching um, at all ever but it's a it, I think it's a really important topic to tackle um, and I think that self-harm comes in many forms and I think that it's um I'm interested to see if that is indeed what they're doing with this mm. and I hope if anybody is struggling with anything like this that you realize before you you do too much damage to yourself what what you're doing and find a different way of dealing with those problems because you can you can can. and with that Gemma I think we are done with our socially distanced podcast are we uh, are we happy with how that turned out in the end this is like probably what like easily 10 times the amount of of uh, talking that we've done with each other all week I know we've we've not really had anything to do with each other this week have we like sometimes you that you stood in the hallway and I've been in the kitchen and we've been a couple of meters apart but we kind of just end up just kind of standing there and thinking oh should we should we go back into our own separate bits of the house now but um yeah so I've I've very much enjoyed hearing your voice again darling and um, and hopefully (laughs) it won't be too long before I get to give you a big old hug again We've, we've not had a hug since like Monday now, have we? It's been really sad. We're supposed to be able to hug today. I know. I literally, I woke up this morning at seven o'clock, I had my alarm set and it's like, right, I'm going to go and have my lateral flow. It's going to be negative. That'll be two negatives in a row. I'll be able to go and give Gemma a big old hug. And then it's like, oh, it's a red line. 
fantastic. <laughs> Back in my own on the lounge again, just me and the cat. I was like you were so really upset gutted. This I was really upset. I was, and, and it's like, I feel like it's my fault. Obviously, it's not. But oh man, stuff. it's rubbish. It's really, really rubbish, this. <laughs> Uh, who, wow. uh, who, uh, who, yeah, was, I thought the pandemic was supposed to be fun, honestly. I was missed all this. It's the worst pandemic I've ever been to. I know, totally, totally. I um, mean, you have all the fun of time off work and everything, but anyway, we're just being very good because I'm sure not everybody does um, isolate from oh, other members of the household. Oh, don't follow the rules. I've, some people don't, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who we could be referring to there. Um, um, have you got your wine and cheese, Michael, for our... I'm gathering on the patio. <laughs> yeah, but you'll have to tell me if it is a party because I might not realise if I go out there. But it's okay. I think if we talk about the podcast, it's a work do. That is totally a work do, isn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally is. Yeah, if you talk about well, it, is Corrie. according to the HMRC. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that the podcast turned out well. It was, um, I, no, I, sometimes on the podcast, um, like I, I see out the corner of my eye you there having a bit of a tap away and your eye, on your iPads and everything and I, I get a bit nervous that you're not paying any attention to what I'm saying but this, you're out of sight and out of mind a little bit today so um so that worked fine and and uh, and I think you have come across as a little bit a bit quiet and tinny so uh, apologies to the listeners but I'm sure they understand and I'm I'm sure that next week um we'll be back again together and um get back to some normality it's all, Hopefully. It's all I'm part sure of life's rich tapestry, isn't it? Mm, it? It's a funny story, isn't it? It is a yeah, funny story, exactly. It totally is. Right, um, I think, what time is it now? It's 20 past six at the moment. Usually I've already uploaded the podcast about 10, 11 hours earlier. So there's a there's a oh, horde of hungry Conversation Street fans yeah, just waiting for me to stop wittering it. on and upload well, it. So um, we're complaining about how sad we are. Mm. And you've got people here uh, who are desperately waiting. I know, I know. For, for the podcast. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just glad we managed to make it a decent length this week. So I did feel a bit guilty about last week's being short. But there just wasn't anything to talk about, was there? Although, <laughs> we didn't have very many people contacting us about the length of last week's podcast. Although we had one person saying, that was just about the right length for my walk. And we had somebody else saying, I'm going on a long drive today and that's not long enough. So... <laughs> You just can't please everybody, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no, and you go mad if you try. If it's looking too short, just put us on um, on the half speed. And if it's looking too long, double speed. There's my tip yeah. to you, everybody. Oh, I watch all my YouTube videos. Yes, Gemma, right, can you can you it. can you let our dear listeners know how they can get in touch with the podcast should they wish oh. to offer up their thoughts and opinions and views and and shut ups. Um, you can email us at conversationstreet at gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter. Facebook and that's Instagram. Yes. You can search for our name and is that it? Patreon. Um, hey, iTunes reviews. That's probably about yeah. it. Yeah. Do not probably forget if you would like to help um, Gemma and Chesney, <laughs> please donate to the Trust. Real Trust. life Gemma and Chesneys. That's right. Yes. Um, and also, um, they have a. They're doing a run. Um, on the second of April, I think something like that. There's, there's like um, you are a sponsored run for um for it. So I've signed up for that. Oh, so well done. You can sponsor me, but don't do it yet because don't forget that until the thirty first of January, if you want to donate money, it's double doubled. Oh yeah, yeah, do it. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I was going to say something else then, but I can't remember what it is. It's completely gone out of my head. No, Sorry. I don't know. It's gone. It's gone. Never mind. 
Um, okay, well, oh no, I was just going to do a quick final reminder about my Amanda Barry interview from this week. Do go on there if, you, uh, if you're a fan of old school Coronation Street and you loved a bit of Alma. Head over to our YouTube page. You can watch her and her fabulous zip that she has on her top and talking about so many memories. She talks about all the old, she's got like so many um, anecdotes about, you know, Jill Summers, about Doris Speed, Pat Phoenix, um, all, all the greats. It was so, so fascinating. John Savadon, Helen Worth, of course. Um, I had a really, really lovely time. Um, so thank you very much um, to Amanda for meeting up with me virtually this week. And I hope everybody who listened to it enjoyed it as well. That's it. That's all I've got to say. So with that, uh, Gemma, do you want to say your goodbyes? Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, 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 bye. See you next week. And the music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Come.